Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Well, sometimes my Welcome to episode 25 of Eat, Sleep, Run, Repeat, the running podcast for the average runner. Three of us in the house at the moment. We've got the mountain goat, Mr. Nathan Barden. Hello. Me. The Spartan, Steve Sparling. Yeah. Fresh off his uh, guzzler effort yes. last week. Yeah. Wasn't Monster able to effort. recap the race, but we'll um, we'll get that done today. We've got actually Paul, Paul Gourlay from Runco joining us as well. So he'll be here soon. Um, you back running yet, Steve? Um, yeah, kept it to a pretty basic week. I sort of tried to, or I sort of stepped around the rules, but tried to keep it easy for a couple of days there where I could run. And then Saturday I did a pretty decent park run pacing big Chris Curtis from the the podcast run we did at Sandgate. He, um, been trying to break 21 minutes. We got him, I got him 2045 on Saturday. Oh, awesome. Yeah. But, um, not to say it wasn't hard it was a hard effort for me to try to catch him out of the blocks he was running. 402 but it took me about 800 meters before my legs actually got going and then same same as you were just saying before i had to get going a little bit quicker to catch him and then once i caught him yeah the last three k's we pushed him well i pushed him right to the very end and, and with a couple hundred meters to go he i said go just use the hill and just keep pushing and he, and he got it so yeah he got 20 i think it's like a 17 second pb or 18 oh, seconds good on him yeah, so out of nowhere, yeah, he couldn't do it the other week and it was crook the week after and had another go and he still couldn't do it. And yesterday was his 100th park run, so on his 100th, he got a PB, so that's pretty cool. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, but I'm, I'm feeling all right. I was really tight last week, <laughs> as as you probably would imagine. Yeah. Um, and quads, I was pretty happy that my quads didn't explode on Sunday and Monday, so that was pretty cool. Um, when super- did you go back to work? Sunday night. Oh, you're <laughs> kidding. Yeah, so I just had the one sleeping and then back to work Sunday night. But um, yeah, at work we got there's two shops side by side, but because of the the gradient of the the lot, we got like two steps between shops. So to go out the front of the shop to put all the display out and all the product, I got to go down two steps. I swear. You didn't do a Steve special, did you? No, there's no muscle control at all for Monday and Tuesday going downstairs. Geez, trying to trying to balance myself while carrying stuff and going down just two steps to the front and then going up's all right because i think you plant your foot and then your muscles are already contracted to push but going the other way where you haven't got any muscles the going eccentric and... the eccentric motion it's like running oh. down running downhill can really like hurt i was watching yeah. that billy what's his name billy yang does yeah. videos and he did the western states i think it's 2015 and he was all right running uphill or flat but when he had yeah. to go downhill he had to walk because his leg was his one of his quads was gone and it's yeah. amazing how much it really can yeah. take it out if you're going too fast on your a long run yeah your, quad, too fast, your you know? quads is like a huge muscle and it, and it does the breaking and pushing so when you're pushing uphills you're using it as well as breaking downhills because you're using it to slow your legs down um yeah. you know and going uphill you're using your calves and hamstrings and quads it's a, it's a combination but going down you, you're really using your quads to break so yeah. so we're yeah at work um the first few days i was just massage gun sunday monday tuesday maybe even wednesday morning and i thought i'd let it go four full days till wednesday afternoon 
roughly the same time as I finished the guzzler to go for an easy jog. And I just did a five and a half K loop around at an easy pace, but it's weird, eh? Like your, your legs feel really springy because you haven't run, but even though they're tight, you, they still want to go faster than what you want to run. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it was really, it was good to get out and just go for a run on Wednesday. I had another rest day the next day thinking, obviously you got to rest your muscles. And that was my first run since the guzzler. So I rested and on Friday, I did another, a slightly bigger run. You know, I was only shy of 7K. So I went from five and a half to almost seven. And um, actually felt quite good on Friday because that was like, you know, six days after the guzzler. Um, and then come Saturday, I thought I'll give Parkrun a bit of a go and run with Chris Curtis and did that and end up with um, 20.46 and he got 20.45, so a PB for him. So I'm pretty happy with that. And then today, just had a rest day. We're back into it next week, I think. My legs feel good. Awesome. Um, yeah. I'll quickly whiz through what I've done. Yeah, I've had okay. another strange week with a bit of like kids being sick and that again. Yeah. But I, I, um, I did a good session on Tuesday night at the Striders, which was like a pyramid set. Went through that really well. And then um, Wednesday and Thursday, I was like crook. So I'd, I'd actually run on Thursday because I was like, man, I'm just going to train through this. Mm. And then, um, yeah, I've sort of... I did a good long run this morning with Kim and the boys, but yeah, apart from that, not much. What about you, Nathan? What have you been doing? Um, mate, I, I'm still, st- I actually, my headaches have slowly started um, going from post or during COVID and post COVID headaches. Yep. And then, uh, so Tuesday, um, I hit the gym in the garage and just did those uh, 200 push ups, 200 lap pull downs. 200 crunches, um, what else did I do? 100, uh, 100 calf raises and a, I think 100 tricep extensions. And then Wednesday I did uh, 100 squats. It was only at 40K, but um, I tell you, the next day, the next afternoon, my legs were, I was, yeah, they hurt, hey? So that was, uh, I think because I haven't done squats for a while. Um, and I was just doing like, I did five sets of 20 just to get the legs kicking back in. Um, yeah. What's so your just, heart rate doing? Yeah. I didn't do the heart rate on the Wednesday, but on the Monday, on the Tuesday when I was doing the push-ups and everything, I was trying not to like do them really fast and exert myself. My heart rate went up to 130, but then it leveled out at about 109, about that. So 109, 110. Oh, so, but yeah. I don't know what it was, but I've noticed my resting heart rate has come down. You know, I've been looking at my watch during the daytime when I'm driving and it's coming down. It's slowly, slowly resting heart rate is coming down. Um, it just, uh, if I'm, if I'm cutting up some firewood, getting swinging the ax, it starts to bump up, goes about 110 or so. So I just, uh, yeah, I'm just going to see how the week goes. I might start running by the end of the week. Cause I'm only like two weeks out from, uh, France and the half that trail, the bear half marathon. So, uh, yeah, I've got to get the legs ticking over. That's Kim him this morning reckons that his heart rate was like high for a couple of months after he had COVID. Mm. A lot of people have I've read on the on the forums and that a lot of people that's uh, saying that, but I don't know if that's because they got it back into running a bit too early. Um, but so I just want to leave it two weeks and if it runs high, it runs a bit high. But um, I, I think I'm sort of. 
I've noticed that I'm not getting the headaches anymore and the fatigue is going as well, especially the last few days. Um, yeah. Like, you know, uh, I've been struggling to get out of bed and just want to sleep, 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 but I've just been a bit better. Um, last, uh, and, and I have not stopped eating since I got COVID. When I got COVID, it, I don't know if it's because it was the end of the ultra, I've done that ultra, but I, I, I am struggling to put a bit of weight on, but I've got up to about 74 kilos. Well, I've not stopped eating. I've just been so fucking hungry. So um, anyway, that was my that was my week. No running, but we'll see if we can get back into some uh, this week. Yeah. Speaking of low heart rate, we got our special guest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the master of it, I think. Um, you want to introduce him, Steve? Yeah, I, I was just going to say for the listeners, we've Paul Gawley's just joined us. He's sat next to me. So he's on good the good day, Paul. We've never met uh, yeah. in person or even virtually. So um, I've, I've listened to you many times, mate, but now I can now I can put a picture to the face. So yeah, yeah. Awesome. So um, hey, nice, like to, nice to meet. I'm sure we'll meet. <laughs> we'll, we'll meet in person very soon. I hope. Yeah. I'm hoping so. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go race through your uh, recap, Steve, of the Guzzler? Yeah, I won't take too long. Um, Guzzler. Um, I think the last few years they've just been shy of the 52k. It's a 50k ultra, they call it, but they've been shy of 52 um, with the rerouting because of the rain events and some SEQ diversions. They basically said on the emails prior that it'll be definitely 52 kilometers for everyone, whether your watch measures short or long. Um, mine measured 53.16. For a 50k so but they did say that it was going to be longer um and and even i followed a map even though i didn't need to it was really well marked um with four k's to go i was probably about 30 meters shy of the 4k to go sign so um that's good actually quite accurate considering um actually a really good race there's a huge turnout there's 520 people i think for the 50k that was massive, um, hey. It was huge. I've seen a lot of people there that are familiar faces. I've seen Andy Day and the Runco crew there. Um, he was supporting with a few of his people. There's a couple of runners there that I, I sort of had seen on Insta or something. But um, I've seen Andy Day actually a few times during the run. He popped up at a few different places uh, up the top of Mount Cutha at the top of um, Kokoda at the end with about five and a half k's to go. And he said, oh, don't worry about your legs. It's all downhill at this moment. I said, that's all right for you. You've only been jogging backwards and forwards along this little stretch. <laughs> but um, there you go. Just keep going, mate. You're nearly there. So it's, it's good to see someone, you know, randomly. You know, I saw him at the start and then eight hours later, I saw him again. So it's kind of cool. But yeah, it, um, we, uh, we headed basically from the start line. They say, go and off you go. You head up Mahogany Trail, which is an all uphill climb right from the get-go for 4Ks. And that takes you out to Sam, Samuel Griffith Drive, I think, where you cross the road and then you start heading down into Gap Creek. So basically after a 4K on fresh legs of not trying to go too hard, but enough to sort of get to the top of a hill. Um, basically, the first checkpoint was 17 and a half Ks away. And that was where I was probably going to run into you, Woolly. That was at a guess anyway. We sort of, sort of worked out times, but... My whole plan was just to pace myself so I had some legs at the end and that was the main goal. I didn't want to go out hard. Me and Nate done a heap of training for his ultra and I jumped in for my ultra where we just run. We didn't. We just walked the hills and then you jog the downhills and the flats. So that was my plan just to stay at that, but maybe go just that little bit harder. I think my first split at the 17K, I think, checkpoint or 7.5K checkpoint was 
a kilometre. So it was roughly where I was, probably a little bit quicker. Most of the runs we've done were about 17, uh, 7.30 a kilometre. But I think the next part there, um, there was creek crossings I thought might be there, but there was more than one. So where I thought there was going to be one, there was two where it split up and went an island around something. So by the time I got to the first checkpoint, we'd been through a couple of probably four or five metre wide creek crossings that were about calf deep. Um, so you just, didn't think about you were going to change your socks and you just go, fuck it, I'm just going to go with wet feet the rest well, of the Well, I, I said to you guys, probably at, after Gold Creek, I knew there was a creek in there that you have to cross the exit. I've done it a few times with a mate. and um, But new, normally it's dry, it's just gravel bed. But um, I thought if it's wet there and I get to the top of that climb out onto South Boundary Road, I'm pretty sure I didn't cross any more creeks. So I was going to swap socks and swap inner soles and have a dry set of shoes. The shoes are be wet but yeah obviously a dry dry internals race basically to get to the end but at that stage i thought my feet were all right so i didn't end up doing any of that i just there was a roughly six creek crossings um one of them was up to my shorts yeah. <laughs> i don't know if that's a we creek said, crossing we said last week didn't we uh Woolly, yeah. that we said guys and you're a tall guy as well <laughs> so yeah, been yeah. So so six, six foot six foot five yeah so that oh, yeah. would have been waist deep for me. I know you wear long shorts like Courtney DeWater, but uh, yeah, you know, probably about quad high on my legs. So that's where the bottom of my shorts hit. And yeah, that was how deep it was. So probably about six or 700 mil, maybe. I don't know. Um, a few of them were calf height where my calves went under, but not quite knee height, um, which was the hell hole. So to get to hell hole, we had to go out of checkpoint one and climb up to, it was uh, four, five, six, seven, nearly seven kilometers up Mount Nebo break. And that's where I ran into you, Willie. You took some little videos there. And that was just a constant, I think, 600 metres of elevation just over that 707 Ks, just constantly going up. You, what was the like, elevation for the whole run? Uh, 2,165. Yeah, it's a lot, hey. That's yeah. 50K. That's, that's so I checked my elevation at the checkpoint. I think the first one was 470. And when I got up to, that was at 17 Ks and then the next seven Ks, it went to a thousand and thirty. So, <laughs> so going up Mount Nebo break is just a constant uphill with a little bit of a flat or maybe a little bit of a downhill in a flat, but basically you're, you're climbing more mountain climbing, really. I passed a lot of, a lot of people there. A lot of people just stick to the, the main track and um, they stick to the footings. So as you go uphill, that. I guess you get the footings where everyone's walking, which makes it easier for your traction. But obviously when it wasn't too steep, I just dodged out to the side and went up, went up around them. So I noticed when you, I was watching uh, the Steve video at the start, you were, you started a fair way back. Yeah. Oh, well, I was nowhere near this, the beginning. We had to set ourselves into um, segregate ourselves into areas. So I put myself in the seven to nine hour <laughs> yeah, anyway. category. Um, so and, most people are like, oh, yeah, six hours. I'll, I'll jump right up. Always to seven. One goes, fuck it. I'll go near the front. Yeah. There's a lot of people there. I, I, I have no idea where to really. I'm thinking roughly, I yeah, thought, um, giving off our training, we didn't do as much elevation. We did 45Ks with 1,600 meters, which is close. But um, I, I thought at 7.30 pace will put me in about um, seven and a half hours. Yeah. And end up with eight, a eight hours. A good a good estimate, um, but I suppose you've got to then add to it. The course was wet. There's lots yep. of more cr trail crossings, yep. and then you've yep. got wet feet, um, and then that slows you down. Then you've got slipping down those bloody like hellhole would have been wet and slippery, oh, slippery and, ass, uh, yeah. and coming out of it the other side and everything yep. else. And did you go um, 
was it black soil or not black soil no we went straight from hellhole back up um center road out to south boundary and then come out and went straight down to gold creek but oh that's center road that's the one that i took the wrong that's where i went wrong on with the 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 btu and ended up going back over the creek and right up that's up the switchbacks but i'll tell you what i went down there down them so fast because i was like panicking yeah yeah so so there was 11 there was a thousand meters for the first 24 and over the next 29 k's there was another um 1165 so it kind of i think it's a didn't matter i looked at the 21k and the 10k and they all average for the whatever distance roughly the same percentage of hills so i think they've done really well so it didn't really matter what distance you went you still cop the hills regardless so the first 50 i ever did was uh was fraser myself and lee byers and we did narang the narang uh like trowel 50 that was back in 2013 and it was two 25k laps and i think that was like 1900 and not 50 meters of elevation yeah and um again like we had a dnf because uh lee buyers missed the and and i don't know how he didn't miss it because he he was fine the first lap the second lap he missed the where you have to run down like about a k to the 25k mark and turn around Yep. And he missed it and never and just kept going. And so he missed 2K off. And so because he never checked in there, he was classed as a DNF. Yeah. He, was, he was flying. He was like in the top seven or eight. Yeah. You know, so um, I, it must have been the, my curse. Like, like when Steve Steve went wrong on these, uh, on that, that first trail race we did. Yeah. Just a little side note there. Lee Byers, who Nathan's talking about was a really good runner when he was younger when he? he did a 147 800 meters yeah i think he's like 146 or 147 yeah. 800 yeah. boy i think wow. he just missed yeah. out on making the south Af- south african team was it yeah i think yeah. so but he used to run against all the good south africans uh, he'd, he'd be able to he'd be able to shout the names off to you we'll have to get him on yeah and, uh, talk about his running he does most of his running now he does with um the world famous john wayne parr um tie box on the uh, gold coast so he um, does a lot of a lot of his running with Wayne. Yeah, yeah. So as you know, I had a had a bit of a nutrition plan anyway. So twenty four k's, I hadn't set in my watch every six kilometers to have either a muesli bar. I ended up consuming two muesli bars and eight gels over the course of the run. Did you set that as like a timer or something? To yeah, go you can go in and set. How does he know this shit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Paul would know as well. He's a, the master of it. I'm sure during your run, you sort of have a time, but you can set it. So every six Ks, even if you don't know what K it is, it goes, you know, six K ticks over and you have a look and then it says hydrate or um, does, it tell, did it, does it talk to you? Is no, it, it just buzzes. Oh. And then it has on it the screen. It is time to take you, a piss. You, <laughs> no, no, you have in there, you can type in what you want to, what, what it is that you're going to take. So I just put in gel, um, um, but nut- I just put nutrition for the rest of them. So, the first few were gels that so had to get that into me because I knew it was going to be a long day. So even at the best case scenario of seven and a half hours, it's still a long day for anyone. Um, yeah. That's a I had a segment a called the Hellhole out. Hustle. So from the checkpoint two at 24Ks, you head down into Hellhole, which is about a kilometer drop to the bottom. Uh, it sort of zigzags down. It's it's a wide fire trail, but where everyone runs, it ends up being a single trail. And um, I think that's packed, but because of the rain we had two days before, the two days before that. and Washed it it washed it all away and it's just where everyone else is running. It, it ends up being a muddy clay slide really. Well, they, they did a bit of grading through there. And yeah. I, thought, I thought, and so when I did the Brisbane trail marathon, it was just mud slop 
and yep. people were lucky I had my poles. People were grabbing trees as they were going down so they didn't like fucking die. Yep. I don't yeah. know if that's what you did uh, to stop yourself from doing a Steve no, special. No, the trail, the trail was back to right. gravel. Yeah, because it was gravel when I the... did it. It was dry and gravelly when I did the Brisbane Trail Ultra. I was like, oh, fuck, this is completely different. But yeah. I reckon with the rain, it must have made it a bit of a, bit of a yeah, mess. Yeah, it, like, it, like, it was like white clay. It was like clay, basically clay, where, where the trail yeah. was. It was almost white. It wasn't, it wasn't a sort of gravel anymore, but off to the sides was gravel, but the main pack yeah. part was gravel. And they had the hellhole hustle. It's called a segment that the guzzler had put up to see who the fastest male and female for each event. The hundred and the two uh, and the fifty k. They both to see. There was a prize. I think it was um, five hundred dollars for the fastest yeah. through there. First. What down and up the other end? Yeah. So it was a three k segment. Yeah. And at the other end of it, you see Nick Woolard in his angel outfit. <laughs> so he's just up from the finish. So they just had a timing mat to see who could get through the quickest. But it's not not for the faint-hearted. You got to go down. Yeah. I think the gradient go. going down is eighteen percent. So which is quite steep. Um, and then going out at twenty-one. So that's probably the second hardest climb of the course did um, they do from, it for so the hundred would have had two goes at it two goes at it yeah uh, daniel bunham when he won the brisbane trail we went down there and i said how did you go going down there he said he just went for it straight down the middle yeah like, like so how he didn't do a steve special because i reckon probably going like that you probably would have slipped rather than forward you'd go backwards you'd slip yeah and slide so, a bit and maybe but he up. just went he said he just went for it straight down the middle I was like, yeah. that's going so yeah, I think 32 Ks was the next checkpoint out of there, um, up the other side. And I went from there, you go to South Boundary Road and then head down to Gold Creek. And that was checkpoint four down there. So the climb down was running for a kilometer downhill. There's no, there's a flat section where you, once you get to the bottom, you go up a little rise and then you turn down into Gold Creek itself. I think Steve posted a video there looking out and that was the exit to the Gold Creek checkpoint. So when you go in there, they had a couple of tents there. They had water, Coke, um actually really good all the all the nutrition and stuff they had it they had little cakes um all sorts of fruit they had watermelon pears apple banana uh lollies they had little biscuits um yeah you just had to have your own cup because there was no obviously no rubbish you just and you just put your hand out and they grab a pair of tongs and give it to you whatever you want but that was a transition stage for the hundred that was the drop bag zone so there was a lot of people there changing shoes and getting dressed whereas i just went in actually had a drink of Coke. I thought that's something that I don't normally have. So I'll have a drink of Coke and um, on top of everything else that I've had. And then off we went again. Uh, Gold Creek Reservoir is roughly about a six and a half K loop from start to finish. So to get around that, it's a single trail on the side of a mountain. You sort of go down towards the creek and then up the side. So you're sort of off the water, maybe 10 or 15 meters up the side of the bankment. And then you sort of go back down. But the problem was CJ, the guy that drove me in there, said four weeks ago before the guzzler, he did it. And it was a single trail with about shoulder height lantana. Um, basically, they got a bobcat in for about three and a half k's of that and ripped it all out. And then you have all this fresh soil that got rained on and it just yeah. turned into a quagmire. It was basically probably mid-shoe height of just mud and sliding. At one stage there, I just come to a complete stop. But the momentum just dragged me down this hill that was about 10 metres and I just sort of skied down it. Um, yeah, I don't it know. slows you down, eh? And then to get out, there's no grip. you got trail shoes that have grip, but there's nothing to grip to. So yeah. probably the worst thing they did. I don't know how they went through the second time through there at night time. It would have been terrible. Did you wear your new shoes or your older shoes? 
Um, the older shoes, I didn't have enough Ks in the new ones. So I, I spoke yeah. to Steve on Friday and, and yourself, and I thought I'm just going to stick with what I knew. We'd done 45 Ks in, I didn't have any issues. I still wore these right to the end, so no issues, other than my feet were really clean and exfoliated from having wet socks the whole way. But yeah, I was going to uh, say, or uh, we'll talk about that when you finish. Yeah. So to get out of Gold Creek, you have to go through another creek. Um, so all that mud got washed up because that was another sort of almost knee-high crossing just to get back out onto the, the climb out. Um, and then basically hike your way up the hill that you run down. You've got to go back up with all the other contestants coming down. So to get to the top, and then you split off and go to the finish. So roughly from there, there's 17 Ks to the finish line. Um, and then I think it was 12 or 13 Ks, maybe, hang on, 11 Ks to get to Kokoda. Kokoda's like the Kokoda Trail is roughly... 980 meters and the last 280 meters of it is at 26 percent so 25.9 percent gradient is that where those two guys that were in the, the 100 yeah, mile went they past disappeared. us yeah they ran they ran past us up there i was <laughs> so, towards the end of the basically straight up the middle um same as footings where That's, everyone went no. um when i did nathan's btu with him i had a bit of an insight because that was only a few weeks prior and we did it at night time but still looked the same in my head but Oh, is these little little. Did you go off to the side? Yeah, the little side tracks did exactly yeah. the same. I think I passed about probably eight or nine people going up that. They're a lot better, more grip and everything there. Yeah, and I and just climbed it because they're all just using their poles and slowly going or no poles, just sort of chugging away to get up there. And I scrambled up using my hands and everything, just driving, and then I crossed the cross to the right and made probably the last hundred or so meters up on the right hand side through all the tree roots and everything. Mm. When I got to the top, the guy go, the guy's clapping me. He goes, "Oh." well played mate you smashed it and i said oh that made me feel really good so then um basically cross samuel griffith drive um for the last five and a half k's to the finish line so um that was mostly downhill with a few little rises a couple of people did steve specials there they stacked it with only a couple of k's to go right in front of me and help Getting them up. tired i suppose yeah same on the night we went through there, remember you just kicked, kept kicking rocks. They're just, they're just, it's flat yeah. ground, and then there'll just be a rock sticking up like a centimeter or so. And I think just tired legs. I think, and also I think um, I was reading that they reckon that if um, if your electrolytes are low, and maybe as well, maybe your your sugar might get low as well like say your own like a normal person could get lower blood sugar you're getting starting to bonk a bit towards the end of a when you think oh fuck we're nearly there anyway so i'll just yeah. suffer till the end don't want to eat a gel or anything like that um that's you're most likely to trip or fall over then maybe it's because you're just not concentrating properly as well your, your blood sugar could be low your electrolytes are low but maybe your, your muscles aren't firing you're not lifting your legs as you normally would so it seems to yeah. be, be oh, I, I don't know you guys know but paul probably doesn't I, i've stacked it so many times in the last few months in training <laughs> my goal was to stay upright and i did i don't even think i did a little trip where i've kicked my toe on anything i, I was making sure even though my legs were tired to lift my feet you know just yeah. comprehending coming that into this. That must be a record year. for you. 53K without falling over. Yeah, I think I was pretty trails. happy when I got to the end. And Kylie looked at me and went, well, any stacks? I went, no, I didn't even trip. So I was, I was bloody happy at the end of that. Coming into yeah. that last bit there, you could see everyone's fatigued. There was people running. And then for no apparent reason, you're going downhill and you think, I'm just going to see if I can pass this person. They just come to a stop. I think it's just knowing, I don't know whether it was the signs they had, 
4K to go, 3K to go, 2K, 1.5, 1.5K, you know what I mean, 400, 300, 200, 100, right to the finish. Um, and at the same time, you got people coming out that last four or 500 metres where the trail splits and they go back out through the mahogany trail and do the second lap. You've got the 100Ks going the other way. Also on the way out, you see them and you think, wow, these guys are going out again. But I know in all reality, I was glad I finished and it was eight hours, which was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, like without stacking, it was pretty cool. That was the, probably the main thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and you just don't know what you might do. You might stack and hit something and then you're like, yeah. Then you're sore then and can't run. Oh, definitely. So in the end, I got my results here. Um, eight hours and three minutes. And I came 200th out of uh, 522 people. Yeah, and 60, 66 in my age category, 66 out of 138. So you were like under halfway. Yeah, I, gender. I, so out of the males, out well, of the males, no, I got 157 out of 365. So sort of above average effort, I guess. Yeah, and good. in the end, this I don't like looking at the the average pace because it doesn't reflect how the day went because there's just a lot of hiking really there's there's hills i don't know how anyone runs up and i seen the guy that won it in 11 hours and 20 minutes or whatever it was for the 100 i'm thinking that's only like three hours longer than me to do double and i don't know how how it's possible it's it's a bit demoralizing in it when you look at it is so i just disregard the pace and i look at my effort for the day and i think i'd love to do it again and i think somehow or other maybe someone like Paul would be good to talk to about some sort of training program prior to it. A lot, I need to do a lot yeah. more hill repeats. Paul might be able to strengthening. Yeah. Paul might be able to explain to us how, how someone can run two laps and average six hours a lap for 50 K. And then like Steve, who is fit as a fiddle could do sub easily sub 20 for or know, sub 19 or whatever for, for, 5k park run and um like it, it it took eight hours and you go shit how are these people uh, and they, and they, and do you think jesus what is it that they're so much fitter than us are they doing a, so much more k's it's really hard to sort of fathom it and you're just demoralizing because i look at results like that and go shit like that yeah. person me by two hours but i was with them at the 77k mark yeah you know I said to Woolly at probably 37 Ks, I'm thinking there's only 15-ish Ks to go. And I'm thinking it's becoming a survival game more. So I wanted to make it to the end. I didn't want to. And in saying that, my quads were blown away. Just the amount of hills. I think my calves are still all right at that time. And my hamstrings had no, there wasn't much hard running. You know what I mean? So my hammies were fine. It was just trying to run where I could run. But the the 24 Ks and a thousand meters in the next 29 had 1,165, I think. It didn't slow down. It was just a constant, constant grind. You know yeah. what I mean. So as Mate, getting... we'll do we'll do Noosa, and then you'll be able to see. Um, we'll definitely do Noosa next year. I'm like just going to enter it like this week. Yeah. Um, and you'll be able to see your run. You'll be doing a lot. You'll, you'll basically run the whole fucking thing, other than that bigger hill. Yeah. And and you'll just see how how quicker you are and how your yeah. legs respond. And so, I don't reckon yeah. your, your quads will blow the same. Be interesting for you to do that that difference and go yeah okay bang bang mm. bang yeah i look forward to that but yeah definitely give the guzzler a crack next time again yeah i think i'll come and do it with you as well just to yeah. just do um just so i can experience like the other 50s that i've done but yeah. um, what taking away from it how were you you had wet feet for most of the run how, how did they pull up because you probably got quite like i didn't have any from my ultra you know i didn't have any black toes any 
bruised toes, didn't lose any toenails. And I no, think no. that's down to correct fitting shoe yeah. as well. And giving yourself enough room in the end, knowing that over 50K, your foot's going to expand. Your foot's going to move slightly as well. I think having a good lock lace in place, yeah. but knowing that your foot's going to move and it doesn't, you don't want it hitting. And I think obviously like Paul might be able to explain more. Is that why people lose their toenails? Because they're just smashing them on the end of their shoes. Yeah, I don't have any toenails oh, lost. They're, they're all intact. Um, I have on my right foot where your shoelace locks i think i might have just had that one up slightly tighter and i got like a bit yeah. of a sore joint there where your, your foot pivots but that's where the shoelace is rubbing into it yeah. so you know what i mean so it's probably just a bit tight but over 50ks i didn't notice it was just the next day and the main thing was i think going through the creeks there's obviously a bit of sediment in the water and i think you get it in your socks and it's almost yeah. you guys can relate when you go to a water park with your kids and you wear shoes and socks all the time running or walking or doing whatever. And then you've got bare feet running up and down the pavers going backwards and forwards from the slides. The next day, just your feet feel like they're exfoliated or like sandpapered as such. So for the next few days, yeah. the, the ball of my foot just felt like it had been sandpapered. Sand I think up. that's just from having the wet socks. Yeah. But other than that, no issues. All my muscles are recovered. I spent four good days. Every time I thought about it, I had the massage gun on the, the couch next to me if someone's sitting there i just did i think it has a 30 minute time on it so I just did my quads calves um but yeah really is that your first 50k steve yeah that's my first i think my my only other trail run was 24 the wild horse at night and that was only 100 meters of elevation so you <laughs> so, said that you obviously like your quads and that were quite sore like yeah towards the end did you feel like 50k was that was all you had in you like what, what did you think when you seen those guys going back out for the second lap I was like, wow, how, how are they feeling? Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to go much further. But to be able to, I know Andy Day said it's all downhill from here and to run when your legs are that tired and sore. Um, the last 4Ks, I was just jogging it, which was probably only seven and a half minutes a kilometre, but just jogging to get to the end in some sort of um, some sort of finish. I think the last K, I was pretty excited. When I started seeing four. 4K, 400 meters to go, you know, 300 meters, 200 meters, you know, and then it was um, 150, 150. And then you just hear this corner and it says finish line one, you know, just around the corner. Yeah. Um, once I got to the end, I was done. <laughs> I don't think I had another anything in me. I think that's <laughs> as well when you say, like, um, the one of the, the, the 100K does 11 hours and you're doing like eight hours for 50. Yeah. And often, often you like, Someday I'll ask me and like, oh, what's it like to run at a certain pace? Mm. And my response to that is like, so that guy doing the 11 hours for 100K is doing the same effort as what you've done for that 50K. It's just that obviously he, his training will be slightly different and he tolerates a higher fresh, um, um, higher pain threshold. Yeah. So I think everybody kind of has that, I suppose that cup, how far, how far you're, you're, able to or how far you're willing to push your body um and i think that's it yeah i think that's um when it when it comes to that it's um more more a case of yeah when when somebody says oh what does it feel like to run a four minute k or what does it feel like to run a three minute k and it's like it's no different to somebody running a five minute k or a six minute k it's just that's what you're you're able to tolerate and, and obviously the more the more you train the, like if you train on certain terrain you train certain distances whatever your goal is to go then you can work on that sort of cap if you like and, and push yourself a little bit more. But yeah. Yeah. The fellow that um, drove me in guys, CJ, uh, he ran Noosa with Nathan and the Brisbane trail marathon as well. They, they were in the same run together. <laughs> Funnily enough, he's my godson's neighbor. I've known CJ for about uh -huh. 
25 years probably. Uh, I don't know how I didn't know the only CJ I've ever known. I didn't put his surname together. And, and then one day CJ was with my godson and his dad that I used to play baseball with years ago. Um, they were out having drinks a couple of weeks ago. And then he said, oh, what have you been doing lately? And CJ goes, oh, we did this trek to hell 32. And my godson goes, that's Steve. And he goes, I knew his face was familiar. So he messaged me, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe how we know each other. You know, Ty and Bryce. And I've just gone, oh, wow. How's that? How's that even happened? So yeah, we've sort of communicated since way before we did the trek to Hellfront. So probably last three months and I never put it together. But anyway, he drove me in there. Um, he had a great run as well. He, he had a great run. Yeah, he finished roughly 32 minutes or 30, 31 and a half minutes ahead of me. Yeah. But he, he said for me to do that first 50 like that out of the blocks without really any sort of um, nothing in between the other trail runs. I've done beer at daybreak last December and then on Easter, Good Friday, I did the beer at night. So that's only my yeah. two trails that I've done. And I went all right in them, but sort of nothing. And it's different to our training run that we did at 45K because it was basically up and down. There was, a constant, there, was no, then, there was a constant up and down and we sort of knew what was happening, whereas yeah. the guzzle was a bit unexpected. There's no, yeah. no, there no creek crossings and um, yeah. we had good weather, dry trowel. Um, so like, and that was your first um, first one to, your first 50. Yeah. So like you, you've done like, um, you've now got that as a measuring. Yeah, stock, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we can get into this a bit more, but I just thought I'd ask Paul, like if you're coaching like marathon runners and, and just, you know, average Joe runners and stuff like that, if someone wants to run a 50 K, how do you approach the track? Like, say if someone wanted to do the guzzle, like Steve, it's got heaps of elevation, you're running basically up and down mountains. Like, how do you like work their training program out for something like that? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think it's back to when, we did the Striders um, night about um, six weeks ago. Um, I spoke there about SMART goals. Um, and the SMART goals are basically, you're looking at, is it, you're kind of looking um, what somebody's done previously, um, how much time they've got before they want to go and run a, a specific event. Um, and then you've got to be realistic about if it, is that achievable. Um, so it all depends. I mean, if, if somebody was coming to me um, and all they'd been doing is a, a few part runs and then suddenly they said, I want to go and do a 50K in five weeks' time, hmm. we'd probably have to look at that and say, it's probably not realistic. You're not going to be able to achieve that. So let's look at something shorter. Let's let's get you training towards that eventual event, but let's maybe give yourself six months or 12 months to, to go and achieve that. So all then that... It's really hard to sort of answer that question as a generic. You really need to look at that person as an individual, and then you become, then you can write up a program designed to that specific person. So yeah, yeah well, it's it's it's. I love it when you say about being realistic because um, I'm on a Facebook page called Trail and Ultra Running, and um, one guy asked a question. Um, I don't know if I've got it. Oh, no, it's, I'm just trying to find what he he, he posed this uh, question. And it was um, basically, he said, I'm thinking of doing the 65 mile. I'm new to, I'm new to this ultra lark. I'm thinking of doing the 65 mile, which is what's that? 110 K. Okay. Um, and he said, oh, what? He said, the elevation's like 1300 feet. 
is that actually like real? Can it, can it actually be that much? And then he says, what's this mandatory kit thing? And I wrote, um, if you're having to ask these questions, I think you're being very optimistic for doing that as your first ultra, you maybe drop down, especially it's going to be trowel as well, mm. drop down to do a 50. Um, that would, that would be my, that would be my advice. Because I think people go, oh yeah, you know, this, you watch, you watch all these people like Courtney DeWalter doing all this stuff. You go, yeah, I'd love to be able to do it. Oh, look how easy they are doing it. And they go, yeah, I could. Oh, it's only hundred k, ever. I can do it in the car. And then they just like, it's a rude awakening. It's true. Yeah. Um, and like, I suppose, I mean, nothing's impossible to to, to, to anybody who wants to go and do so. And you say you want to go and do sixty-five miles. I mean, if you're able-bodied, then yeah, you should be able just to go out and do that. But it's like you say, um, a couple of days because, because we see because because we're much more privy now to what goes on in the running world. I mean, obviously, you look at things like part run. I know you, you guys speak about that a lot here, and and obviously the, tr the trail running um, is becoming a lot more popular as well. So it is a case of people just oh, I like the idea of going and doing that. But like you say, Nathan, like they don't actually know the ins and outs. Like you need mandatory kit. You need to be able to like. Do, do a specific sort of training block or, or whatever to be able to go and achieve these yeah. goals so i think it's just the a lot of people just think of the end goal rather than how they're going to get there mm. and i think state uh, um spartan is really you know so he was eight hours out there running and and you and you don't know it could have you could have taken you six hours could take you eight it could have taken you another hour and yeah. if you're not prepared for that yeah that, that could that something like that could happen then yeah. you know that's all about preparation and like steve had a plan a a plan b and a plan c for the gold coast marathon and um, nailed it yeah and and obviously spartans had uh now gone oh you know like i was out uh running for eight hours um and now you've got an idea of your nutrition maybe you do need to carry extra gels you might want another four gels for that extra for that extra time because yeah. you just don't know if you might start cramping you need to have an emergency like as a type one diabetic i always have a couple of emergency bars they're in my pack so i know that i'm not just gonna take them and accidentally eat them they're there for like the emergency yeah. um to, to go to and obviously like so did, did you learn anything did that anything like that uh, sort of did you learn anything steve from nor our normal training runs that have been quite long to then actually now in race day going oh i'm glad i did this or i would do this differently what do you sort of take from it uh i think more so we did like part of it we did the south boundary road which is only a small percentage of that trail run but to actually go and run the event we weren't allowed to so i couldn't go and do that course it only they only opened up gold creek yeah. roughly four weeks before the event come along and then prior to that seq water up to eight weeks or seven weeks ago had all that whole area closed off coming into your ultra which was only three weeks ago they only just opened it all up a month ago so we couldn't actually i don't think we were supposed to go out on the trails i know a lot of people were doing it yeah um but yeah to obviously if the weather's right and coming into the the actual event itself we'd be able to access them and we could have trained a lot more to see what the elevation how that affected us but i ended up having a, a couple extra gels still with me at the end i had um one gel music bar and i think a honey manuka honey thing so i still i, I took heaps it was yeah. i don't i don't know i, I packed more worst case scenario 
could have been like nine and a half hours, seven and a half hours was good. So eight hours, I still had a little bit to go. One so. of my favorite sayings is better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I know yeah. I had it. I know I had it at every six um, kilometers, but there was just extra ones there. Uh, Nick Woolett, he, I saw him at the at the exit to Hellhole, going on the South Boundary Road, and he said, "Oh, he goes go grab a hand, you know a cramp fix." He said, "You might not need it, but it'll be there later on." He said, "This part was shit," and he goes, "The next part's a lot better." But obviously, I don't know if he knew about Gold Creek. That really took it out of my legs, just sliding around. I think it takes yeah. a lot of muscle control to keep yourself upright when you're actually sliding. And how were your adductors in that? Because I found that my groin and adductors were really um, sore from doing the Brisbane Trail Marathon just because I was running different ways rather than straight down, straight up. I was going sideways and things down the down the uh, the inclines and up them. Um, the morning, used different muscles. The morning of it, I got up early. I couldn't sleep, so I sat in the lounge room floor and stretched everything intensively, like for ages. Um, and probably just held it, you know, not overstretching, but just holding it to stretch everything. I didn't get any before previously. I think I said to you, I, my adductors are tight. And I think one of the runs we done almost thought I um, strained it, but it didn't get any problem. It was just the quads, my quads um, just from pushing uphill and breaking constantly. Yes. Um, even at the very end, just to sit down and try and stand up again was really hard. So, but um, glad I got, I got two more questions for you. Yeah. First one, which I don't think it has, has it put you off doing another 50 trail run? No. Okay. I want to beat it. And, um, oh, mate, Noosa, you'll smash. You'll do six hours, Noosa. I went after Um, after that event, I went back and looked at your Noosa. I went, wow, that's pretty achievable with only 900 meters of elevation. Um, I went back and CJ, the guy that took me in where I was getting before, he's done four, the last four years. So since the guzzle started, and I went and dug dug in to see what his um, times were oh, first year first year nine hours 52 just shy of 10 hours um the next year was eight hours 29 so he's getting close to where I, same uh, slightly shorter so 51k okay. less just slightly less elevation so the other years it says 20 uh, 2000 meters elevation this year it says 2100 plus meters of elevation so they're trying to not prepare everyone to say this is going to happen and you're going to get this much they're, they're just sort of allowing for people's watches that don't measure right distance yeah. right and everything so yeah eight hours 29 that was his second go third go seven hours 31 21 so seven hours 31 21 and then this time seven hours 31 18 he knocked three oh. seconds off it and that was <laughs> with a uh, full coach training him and everything but he said the part that he wasn't prepared for was the gold creek really took it out of his legs and they said there yeah, that's where i my, my body copped the flog in there, even though I didn't fall over. I think you're just using everything to stay upright. There's photos of me in the photos for the actual race with my arms out balancing as I went through somewhere where they're taking a photo. Let's just say you don't go on your ass. You know? That could be the end of you falling you over. Think, you think would have helped uh, with poles in the conditions? Um, would, you have, would you do it with poles if you had to do it again? I would have to train that? with them, but uh, yeah. I think maybe. I don't know. They, and they probably add done... stability, but yeah, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that finished in front of me without them and a lot of people that finished after me with them. So I don't know. I've seen a lot of people coming through while sitting there with them, but I don't know. And um, do you think you could have done more hills for training to help? Or... Yeah, I think definitely some hill repeats and just sort of getting your legs to that point where they fail, I guess. And Paul might be able to help us there with if we were approaching – um a 50 where there's say 2000 meters of elevation 
um, rather than doing say a hundred meter incline, you know, like I say, the length is a hundred, like we used to do hill reps in the UK, you know, and I do them here. Like it's only a hundred meters long. Would you suggest maybe a different type of hill training? So maybe a 20 K run, lot of hills, or would you do some repeats over a, say a kilometer of a hill? What would be the best way? And then with Steve, we'll get you to introduce Paul. So everyone knows, and then we can, we can get, uh, we can, yeah um that's i mean probably both there nathan um you you'd want to you'd want to incorporate i mean again for for those that do do know my sort of methods of training i do like to do a lot of low heart rate and um a lot of long sort of low um easy runs um but you can incorporate some hills into that so obviously when it comes to that sort of style of training you might your heart rate might get elevated a little bit um but in terms of like what you're looking for with to end what you're expecting during the race itself is even though it might be like a, a hundred meter climb, then you might just want to do some short, but faster hill reps. So you're sort of, so you're still preparing, you're, you're, you're getting your muscles engaged for that effort, but you're also getting yourself mentally and physically prepared for the efforts as well, just with, with shorter hill reps. So it might even just be like a, a 20 second burst uphill, easy bar yeah. down and you do that repeat that 10 times and, and you, you can co- incorporate like hills as part of a standalone session or you can throw in like a little bit of efforts towards the end of an easy run again just to stimulate the body so yeah 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 you um you always have an awesome um training regime and you do some special efforts where you might do a an all-out park run and i know a lot of the boys do it with you from the striders group afterwards a few times i've seen you on a sunday doing the clear mountain loop with the same boys um which is still a hilly loop and it's roughly like 22 k's is it how how's that fix your legs is it longer just, than that yeah it's um uh, 25 the clear mountain loop, you can uh, there's a there's a short short version you could do is about 21 um yeah. but i think i think the most you can like generally we reach about somewhere between 26 and 30 k's doing that yeah. clear mountain loop but um that was actually something that um, I was really hesitant in the beginning with um, when I started running we used to always just sort of target like fat and uh, fast and, and flat um, and it would be aimed towards running the Gold Coast Marathon hmm. and the mindset was always well the, the race course is fast and flat so we don't need to incorporate any hills we just need to run fast and flat um, but then what the, what the what would happen with that is you'd end up racing every Sunday, every long run became a race yeah. and you'd get four or five guys turn up. And at the end of that, it's right, right. Let's just try and bust ourselves for the last 5k. <laughs> and that would also be on the back of doing, like you say, like a fast part run the, the day before. Yeah. So it's actually interesting when you say like you do maybe a quicker effort on the Saturday and then you go and run the hills on the, on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, it actually forces you to slow down a little bit and you're engaging different muscles. So yeah. So it's a more of an active recovery. Yeah, for all even your though, groups, I guess, because I think I think runners in general um, are kind of afraid of hills. <laughs> it's like you know, nobody really wants to go and do like a, a big heli rip, a big big heli run, like the day after you've maybe done a fast run. But yeah. it is a good way of incorporating like just different strength in your training. Um, yeah, cool. And engaging different muscles, and you can. I mean, if you're running a, a heli route, you can get some similar stimulus to what you would get in a gym as well. So, well, let's let's actually dig into Paul's story a little bit more. Um, I met Paul 
when I joined um, South Pine Striders, it was actually seeing Paul's, um, I think you might have been tagged in something on social media. And I was like, oh, shit, man, this guy's fast. What club's he at? And I searched where South Pine Striders was. I was like, man, that's just down the road. Because I sort of was at that point where I thought I need to join a club if if I want to get quicker. And then, yeah, so that's how I met Paul. But as I've sort of like got to know him more, he's got like a really interesting story. And it's kind of, well, it's the sort of thing that we're always banging the drum for, you know, like he's wasn't really, we used to play soccer and stuff when he was younger, but he was a bit overweight and got himself in shape. And well, look, I won't tell you story for you, Paul, but like. I'll just go home, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, what, like how did you get started in, in running? Uh, like you say, I mean, I, I pretty much um, played soccer or football all my days. So, um, growing up in Scotland, it was pretty much the the working man sport. So that's what that's what we did. I started playing soccer from probably around about the age of nine or ten, um, and that's all I knew. That's that's all I knew until oh, I mean, I, I stopped playing soccer here um, in Australia when I think I was thirty four or thirty five. Um, and that's when I kind of crossed paths with the running. Um, but like you said as well, Steve, I kind of came from a position where I was a bit overweight. Um, and just one day, it was 2015, I'd been, like I say, all I was doing was, was playing football. Um, I'd train a couple of times a week and play a game on a Saturday. Um, but I wasn't really looking after my body. I wasn't really doing anything else that and I was just filling myself with junk and drinking with the boys on the weekend and it just 2015 came and, and we were going on a, a holiday up to Port Douglas um, and it was a the Great Barrier Reef Marathon Festival was on um, and I knew a couple of, couple of people doing it so I was like yeah let's um let's sign up for the half marathon let's just see how it goes so I, I, I basically I, I trained for probably two months um, but the main objective in the beginning was just to lose some weight. Um, and as as it sort of progressed, I mean, I'd, I'd never, I think I'd done Bridge to Brisbane back in 2011 um, and a couple of fun ones as I was growing up, but that was, that's all I knew about running. Um, so jumped in to do this, this half marathon program. And vi- I still remember the very first runs that I would do would be a 5k around the block. And it was run a K, walk a K, run a K, walk a K, run a K. And that, that was where I started running. Um, and then gradually as I started building up the, the Ks, I would then, I think by the end of the, the two-month program, I managed to run continuously for 18 kilometers, which was, I think, I think at the time it was only maybe a week before the actual event itself. So probably different to what I would do now, but... Um, that's kind of just how I, I followed and I never ran with a, a GPS watch or anything I used to have a, an old Casio watch and I would plan my route on Google Maps and you would see a certain like lamppost that's where you start the run and then there'd be another part on, on Google Maps you see like a tree or you see a building and that's where you knew the 1k mark so gradually you would just continue doing this loop and so you knew you could look at the watch and you roughly knew sort of where the one kilometre mark is, where the two kilometre mark was. Um, and yeah, it just kind of went from there. And like I say, from the beginning of the, 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 the programme, it was all about losing weight. To the end of the programme, it was like, I've actually 
got a bit of a talent here. Like I'm actually have I've progressed really well in this two months. And it was then sort of goal motivated to see like what sort of time I could run this half marathon. Um, and at the time it felt, I, I knew a few people from, that I went to school with just obviously through Facebook and things like this back in Scotland. Um, and I could see that they were running certain times for the, for the half marathon. And it got to the stage where it, I thought maybe 145 would be realistic. And then I seen a couple of times and I seen somebody doing a 140 and a 135. And I thought, uh, that's not out with the, the realms of possibility. So I went out with the, uh, probably probably not really like with any goal to go and run that half marathon. I just I actually just went out and just run it as, as hard as I could. And ended up running 129 for that first half marathon. Awesome. Um, shit. And just yeah, and and Jesus. Like, so it was just the and it wasn't it wasn't an easy course. Like the first two Ks are all on the beach, and you're running part of it on grass, and yeah, just all around about Port Douglas. So it was um, it was it was a it was a really really nice run. Um, but yeah, it kind of just gave me the bug from there, and I think just that that was in that was in October. October or November, I think it might have been the first weekend of November. That would have been warm. It actually turned out to not to be too bad. It wasn't actually too humid or warm that morning. Um, well, anything, over, anything over 10 degrees is warm for well, us. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's funny, I'm well acclimatised now, so yeah, 10, 10 degrees is cold now. Yeah. But yeah, just um, I think right after that, we come back from Port Douglas and I was, oh, when, what, what, what marathon can I run? And Gold Coast Marathons, oh yeah, let's. I think the entries opened in, might have been, might have been December or I can't, I can't remember, but pretty much almost straight away after doing that half marathon, it's like right, let's let's jump to the marathon and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably I ended up doing probably a little bit too much too soon. I got through that first marathon, and then was that that would have been twenty sixteen. Mm. I'm, I'm losing track of dates here, but I think I'm pretty sure it was 2015, that first half. 2016 was the first full. And then, yeah, I kind of just jumped the gun and ended up a, a couple of little injuries here and there, um, which sort of fast forward to around about 2018 was about then I probably started to take it a little bit more serious. Um, and I actually looked at like how, how to train smarter and how to probably get the best out of my out of my ability if you like if you like yeah hmm. so just like major improvements all the way down since how long you've been um how long you've been over in um australia paul i've been living in australia since end of 2010 so yeah what would that be 12 years this year yeah and you had come from scotland or were you living somewhere else no no i'd come from scotland yeah 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 I'd come from scotland and yeah and had you, I know it's a, bit, it's a bit sidetracked, but had you been to Australia before or you just uh, had friends here and you wanted I'd to come been, here? I'd been to Australia back in 2007, come for a, like a short working holiday. I think it was two, two or three months I was here and then went back to Scotland and realised Scotland was miserable. So <laughs> come back to Australia. But now I get that, asked that question a lot and yeah, it was probably more the, the lifestyle and the, the, the more out, outdoor yeah. living. Um, that sort of drove me to Australia. Yeah. And always Brisbane or? Always Brisbane, yeah. Yeah, always yeah. Brisbane settled here. And, yeah. It's too cold anywhere else, I reckon. Like, it's just perfect. Well, I think as well, like, when I when I first came, like, for 
um, when I came back the second time, like obviously been here 12 years now, but it was initially one year. Um, yeah. the, sorry, the, the working holiday was over in Perth. So when we thought about coming back for the year, Brisbane seemed like the most sensible location because it was on the East Coast. It was right in the middle. So you could sort of travel around about and, and see a few few spots. Um, and obviously that year's turned into, well, permanent citizenship now. So, yeah. Good stuff. So tell us a bit more about, obviously, you got, uh, you, 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 um, you got into your running and then what led you into coaching that journey? Well, I think um, when, when I... When I first trained for the Gold Coast Marathon in 2016, um, I used to do a lot of long runs out. I used to park at Pelican Park at Clontarf, and I would run north and I'd run all the way up to Scarborough. Um, and at, at that time, I was I was in a job working for a company called Aussie Farmers. Um, I was operations manager. Um, Aussie Farmers was a fresh foods delivery company, which has since gone bust. Um, but they were really thriving at that time. Um, and it was running just became that way, sort of like almost like that stress relief, just getting out and enjoying yourself. And work was quite stressful. And then when I was out on those runs, I would see boot camps and see other people exercising. Um, and it just made me think like I'd come on a journey then from oh, probably maybe nine, 10 months where I'd, I'd probably lost close to about 15 kilos. Um, and it got me thinking that like it would be good to be able to maybe give that back a little bit and maybe help other people. Um, and like I say, at the time, what was stressful was looking for maybe to, to change careers. Um, so I got into personal training um, at the end of 2016, 2017, I started to study. And yeah, that's my mainstay right now is is the personal training um, based at a gym um, over at Steps, and Steps Fitness in Kashmir. Um, so that's kind of my, my day job, if you like. Um, and then the coaching um, that started up really through South Pine Striders. Um, I used to, and I still do, um, take, the, take the odd um, session there. Um, but back in 2020, oh, I'll say actually probably the 2019, it was around about September, October time, got chatting with Andy Day. Um, obviously, guys know know Andy and like Steve mentioned them there earlier about um, being out at the Guzzler and Andy's a, a great runner. He's he's won the, the BTU. He's won the um, the Nusa Trail last uh, earlier this year as well. Um, he ran two twenty nine at Gold Coast this year as well. So he was a phenomenal. He was he's actually somebody I actually looked up to in my early days of running. Um, I knew Andy um, through Chelmside Park Run. Um, and yeah, we just got we just got chatting um, at the end of 2019 and started to put the put the, get get the ball rolling, put the process in, in place for for Runco, which um, we got up and running in um, March 2020, just when the pandemic was about to hit. Yeah, we we talk about Andy on here quite a bit, funnily yeah. enough, because he always ends up in the results. But I've said it on here before. But the thing that blows me away about Andy is that like he's not. I'm sure he won't mind me saying he's not super young, but he has just amazing range. Like he can run like a two minute 800 and then he can run like a sub two thirty marathon. Like what did he, he won the hundred noose hundred. Didn't yeah. He? Yep. And yep. you actually, I think Steve, he was on your video and you, yep. um, he, he, he got there to that. Well, Coming to that, that checkpoint. 
checkpoint, which was in like and 20, out of 23k for me. He was in and out like gone, wasn't he? He was, yeah, yeah. He didn't really stop. He just filled up his water and took off, and he just really? looked fresh as a daisy. Goes and cameraman was to, behind him a bit. Yeah, it goes back to what you were um, talking about earlier about um, like comparing, like doing fifth, um, doing eight hours for a fifty k or eleven hours for a hundred k. Like Andy's the type of person. He's just got that ability to to be able to push himself to beyond capabilities of what the average person can do. Um, and again, you won't mind me saying this, but he's not, it's not like he's like born with like superhuman abilities or anything like that. Yeah. He just works very, very hard yeah. at what he does. And no matter what it is, if it's a, I mean, he, he did sign Sandgate Park run um, at, the, at the Bert run last year um, and he ran 15.03 and then he goes out and, and, and can, can win 110K, 100K. Yeah. He's just, he just has that ability to to push himself. It's which... interesting when you talk about pushing yourself because like Steve and I have been fighters and I know at what level I can push myself at like the maximum. But in running, I find it really hard and that might be something you might be able to help and other people might. I find it really hard to gauge how hard to push myself like, I usually run, if I run a 50 or I run like the BTU 110, I run at about the same kind of, I just, you know, like if I was doing, if I was doing BTU 110 at the pace I was going at, if someone says, oh, it's only going to be 50K today, I wouldn't have started running faster. I just would have run at that pace. And then if I go and do like a 10K, I'd probably run very, probably probably push myself a little bit harder. But I find it really hard to know how hard to really push myself. That's why I think I have trouble trying to beat my PB at park run. It just happens to be a fluke that I, because I just find I'm just like stuffed or I'm just not, not getting to keep the same level. So you might be able to give some insight into that. Yeah, I mean, I think from that perspective, and and when we look at running, I think, I mean, running is social for us, really. I mean, we we're not professional athletes, so we we like to try and just get out and go for for runs with, with groups. And I think in that in that respect, we probably get it the wrong way around. Like most of us will get together and run an easy run. Like we'll 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 get together on a Sunday morning or whenever it's going to be and we'll do a long run together whereas when it comes to intervals you might end up maybe doing a solo session or maybe just two or three of you there where what you're what you're best doing and obviously if you can make it work is run your intervals with a a, a good park so if you maybe even get like ideally you'd want maybe 10 15 people who are of similar paces obviously it's not it's not easy to do that but you want guys who you've got somebody to chase um, and then when you're doing your easy runs is probably doing that more solo or just making sure that you are doing that easy because a lot of the time we only run as easy as the fastest person. So the rest of the people are just trying to play catch up. And yeah. although it doesn't feel, although it doesn't feel too taxing, you, you do probably get a few people that are probably running a little bit harder than they should. Um, and I think from that's where the Birch squad get it really good. Um, they run around New Farm Park and they've got such a diverse um, range of runners, obviously really, really fast, but you've got guys who can run 250 for, for a K, for 1K reps, maybe even quicker, to be honest, um, down to maybe guys who are maybe running 17, so like 330 kilometer reps. Um, and 
with that idea is you've always got somebody to chase unless unless you're front of the park but then you're being chased at the same time so if you can get into that sort of if you really want to push yourself your best to try and train in a group that would be the best yeah. piece of advice yeah. yeah whilst you're talking about that paul like you're you're training you call it like polarized training don't you like do you want to give i mean loads of people that are listening we loads of park runners and just club runners and stuff like that like explain like the principle of polarized training so yeah um like i say i think it was about 2018 i decided to try and just look at my training differently and i kind of reached that plateau where i'd got quicker but how could i get to that sort of next level i mean i was probably turning up and averaging 1730 for part run most weeks but you would maybe run a 17.25 and then it'd be a 17.40 and he was just sort of sitting that sort of 15 second like sort of between that those times and it just you were never getting any quicker so I was actually introduced to a guy called Stephen Seiler um it's actually my uncle that first brought brought this name up um and then I listened to a podcast on Brad Beer's Pogo Physio um the physical performance show that's the one yeah um and this guy really just opened my eyes up to how you could sort of get more from your body by doing a little bit more but not pushing your you're not pushing yourself every session so the idea of the, the polarized is that 80 percent of your training is done at one end of the pole so very very easy and then 20 percent is at the opposite end of the pole which you're really pushing yourself nice and hard and i think what the, his idea and his philosophy that i've kind of taken into my my own um my own training and my coaching as well is that a lot of people sit in that gray zone where we're running the, the easy runs too fast but then we can't run the fast runs fast enough so again it comes back to what you were saying earlier there as well nathan like how can you get more out, out of it? Yeah, you could run in a group and you can push yourself more, but you can also look at your easy days just being that little bit easier. So then when it comes to pushing yourself on those harder days, you've got more effort to give. And sometimes yeah. just not giving that constraint of a must-run four-minute Ks or a must-run five-minute Ks from intervals. I like to just say, right, run it at an effort. Right? You're going to run for two minutes, then you're going to rest for a minute. And you're going to do that five times. Try and push yourself for that two minutes but you also want to main, maintain consistency over that as well so yeah. so yeah that's where the the polarized training comes into it and it definitely has helped me tenfold so yeah because i used to i didn't really start getting serious into my training until probably the end of last year the beginning when i signed up to do the new surf 50 and i said oh i need a training plan and i I bought a Ben Parks marathon plan because that was as close as I could get to it. And um, so I, I followed that religiously for 16 weeks. Um, and my partner was quite surprised at how well I would slide down ticking off the days and, and do the strength training on the days and that. And um, But before that, I actually used to do, I used to basically train, all my running was at sort of like, not quite race pace, but at a pretty intense but i wasn't doing anything to gauge um if i was improving or not i didn't i didn't used to look at the heart weight and worry it, it had my heart rate gone down over a certain time or did i do park run 
the same speed, but you know, heart rate lower. And, um, and all I was doing was just, was doing my only gauge as well was part, maybe part run. That was, I definitely do part run every Saturday do, you know, maybe 20 K through the week. And it would be like four, like four or five K runs. And I'd go around the block as pretty hard as I could. And that would be, um, that would be my training and then go up, turn up at, t- at part run and just go as hard as I, hard as I could and be bent over nearly throwing up at the end until I actually, so I, so I remember watching stuff, all this stuff polarized, you know, like all the top athletes, they do 80% of their training, at like their heart rates down at like, you know, what, you know, in zone one or two. And, I, and then, uh, then they do the speed work. I was like, no, oh, that can't be right. Who does that? And then, yeah, actually, then I started watching more of it watching more YouTube going, Oh, actually this probably does make sense when you understand the science behind it. And that's when my training changed. So. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's interesting. You say there, like, obviously your partner's surprised that you, you follow that program, but sometimes that's just what we need. Um, and, and that's like the way that I look at coaching is as a coach, I provide the structure to somebody. So I'll, I mean, and, and Steve will vouch for that as well. Like I wrote Steve's program for, the Gold Coast Marathon, um, and it just, like, it wasn't that like, Steve didn't know what to do. He just didn't know particularly how to structure what he needed to do, and it kind of just takes that thought process process out. You wake up maybe a Monday morning, oh, I'm not sure what to do today, what will I do? Whereas if you've got that that structure and you say, right, this is, this is all I need to do, so you can concentrate on other aspects of your life, and the yeah. running just becomes like, yeah, I just need to follow this program. With that then comes a consistency. So the coach will provide the structure and the athlete provides the consistency. And that's that's the model of a, a good program, really. Um, but it's interesting you say, part one's a great way of um, man- um, monitoring like your consistency or your, your um, improvements. Um, but I'm also, again, sort of like doing it every week because I feel that you, c- yeah. you kind of just reach that plateau. Whereas I think you'd probably be better like, and I tend to do this with a few of my athletes is give them a, give them a 5k to see a benchmark. That's where you're at. And then in four weeks time, we're going to go again, or in six weeks time, we're going to go again. And in that time, I mean, the focus might be on the 5k. A lot of the time it's not a lot of the time we're looking at longer events. We're looking at halves up to like, we've got guys running um, backyard ultras. So like, there's a lot, a lot of um, K's go into that, but you can still use like the sort of the 5k time trial as a, as a, as a benchmark that's what i was going to ask you because you go, so. I, i'm i obviously um can if you just say training for a marathon or a 50 um k race is using something like park run as something to gauge how you're going useful or not really because it's sort of it, it's a different sort of training again it all comes down to like what you're what your end goal is. If your goal is just to finish a 50K, then running sort of faster over those shorter distances isn't going to become as relevant to your end goal. But if your goal is to to aim for X amount of time, then it is good to be able to get that quickness in your legs over those shorter distances. Okay. Um, and it, it also, we look at it from a, a physical point of view, but always, I also say from a mental perspective, because you, you never, you can, I always say like anything up to maybe a half marathon, you can kind of sort of get yourself through that. Um, but anything further, like maybe 30K onwards, you're never sure. And, and Steve, Steve will vouch for this here, um, Steve Sparlin, 
um, like when you're running the Guzzler last or two weeks ago, it was now, um, was it yeah, two weeks last ago, week, wasn't it? Yeah, last, was it week. La- last week, last week, sorry, yeah, last yeah. week. Um, you're running the Guzzler, like as much as you prepare for that in training, you're never, you're not, you're not as sure how that last sort of 15, 20k is going to feel. So, by doing like your shorter efforts, by doing a park run, you know what it feels like to, to push your body hard. So you're sort of kind of um, generating that stimulus and that mental preparation is like, this is going to get hard towards the end. In a different way, because a lot of the time, obviously, later on in an ultra run or a marathon, it's the legs that are giving way. Whereas if it's a shorter run, it's more sort of like, like how can you sort of push your mind through it? But yeah, so it's, 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 there's definitely, even when you're doing like those longer ultra runs, marathons, whatever distance it's going to be, there's definitely relevance to doing the shorter efforts, whether it be intervals, yeah. whether it be part run, etc. There gets to a point, isn't there, when you run to a certain distance and it goes from being, oh, you can just sort of, like a half, you could sort of survive it. But a marathon, there's other things come into it, like there could be, because you, you, how often do you go and run, a, say, a 42Ks, and you might be all right at, 20 30k but at 35k that little niggle now becomes a lot of pain like i didn't notice until i'd run 30k that i was getting problem with my um with my plantar fascia um you know plantar fascia was giving giving me trouble and that's when it sent me on the road to you know find out a couple of problems with my feet and getting some orthotics and and the same with your gut as well like you don't you might be able to do two or three gels in a half marathon and go that's fine but if you keep bombarding your gut with just gels or a you know different gel after three four or five hours then it's can you know your gut then comes into it and then you've got the whole psychology comes into it as well as oh i really can't be bothered to keep going for another hour i'm just going to pull the pin and dnf you know absolutely yeah that is you're spot on i i even believe that a half marathon you could pretty much get through without any nutrition um, if you really wanted to, whereas the longer distances, you'll get found out if, you, yeah. if you're not on top of your nutrition. Um, yeah, like you're saying, you tend to then have those little issues towards towards the back end of the, the marathon or if you're you're running further as well. Because you, you've got to look at the, the pacing as well, and, and that's why that becomes quite relevant because if you're training for a marathon or you're training for something longer, then the chances are you've done some shorter events. Um, so you know yeah. what it's like to, to run X amount of K pace for 5K, 10K half marathon. And it's very, very easy for it to get away from you in that first half. So you know you can run hmm. that. Um, you know you could run half marathon at a certain pace, but if you run too fast in that first half of a marathon, then yeah, you'll get found out later on. I got a small question. We're all, we're all have um, technology strapped to our wrists and chests and everything like that. And we talk about shoes a lot in this show. Um, Nathan and I have gone through a few different types of trail shoes, some with rockers and a bit of speed roll technology and others, just a standard trail shoe. Um, <coughs> I'm going back a little while here. I know you'll remember you were away somewhere and you had an $80 set of Nikes. And you had a set of alpha flies and you did the same interval session um, a couple of days apart. And, and I think you, you sort of proved to me that it's not all about the shoe. I know, I know we sort of talk about the super shoes and everything like that, but 
what's your take on it? Because to be able to run in a basic pair of Nikes worth $80 and then do the same thing in a pair of super shoes worth $350 and you only get a few seconds out of it, it all comes down to obviously um, running form and strength work as well. Is that is that how your play is on that? Um, yeah, interesting you do bring that up. Um, I, th- I think the idea in not running in a super shoe, probably more from a, a psychological point of view, probably like is something you, you want to like, well, especially for myself, it's maybe something I maybe just, I don't want to do because there is that thing at the back of your head where you're thinking, oh, I, I need these, sho- these shoes because yeah. if I don't wear them, yeah. then yeah. I'm not going to run as fast. They're basically a placebo but, effect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. and, and I put in a little bit perspective there. I mean, I, I did, I did Queenstown Marathon back in 2019 um, and I ran a pair of um, Nike Pegasus 36s. So what you'd probably just class as a training shoe. Um, and I did two hours 46. And uh, so that's back in 2019 where I'd kind of sort of been doing, following the polarized um, training for about 18 months. But that's a hell of a course. It's, 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 it's a fairly, fairly hilly course, yeah. How old are you, Paul, now? Don't I am 38 right now. Okay. Yeah. That's a young, young buck still. <laughs> but yeah, um, I then got my first pair of super shoes in 2020 mm. um and i did a marathon at the end of that year which obviously everybody knows there was, wasn't much going on going on that year um but the gold coast running festival put on a marathon um i think it was was it september that year i think it was it'd been postponed from april um and i, I run my marathon pb that day two two thirty nine. um and obviously, like the, the super shoes come into that effect, and and then again this year, after a bit of a, a an injury layoff, ran the Gold Coast Marathon. Um, again, a pair of super shoes, a pair of Vaporflies, and that was a two forty three. So I felt for like I mean, my training was probably a lot more on point back in twenty twenty, and was doing a lot more case. But if I look, if I compare like just the the Gold Coast Marathon this year to the Queenstown Marathon three years ago there's a three minute difference. So you can look at that from a perspective and say, yeah, it's super shoes giving you three, three minutes. But what I also look at is the, the training that I've put in the strength work that I've done and the, the work that I've done to work on form technique that obviously plays a, a huge part. And obviously you're never going to know, I can, I can't go back in time and say, right, I'm going to run the Gold Coast Marathon and a pair of Pegasus and see if I can run 243. There's a lot of different equations come into it. Like how, what, what's the weather like on the day? Um, what's, your, what's your preparation like in the lead up? What's your nutrition like? So there's lots of different factors come in. Did you get but, eight hours sleep? Yeah, exactly. It's gonna, there's, there's all those, there's all those <laughs> things coming into play. Um, but I think like you say, there is that placebo effect that you don't want to, and, and fair play to Nike, they've, they've absolutely got the market and spot on because they're not just targeting the, the world's best runners. They've got everybody, that you you'll turn up to part run and half the field are wearing a, a pair of Nike super shoes yeah. or a pair of like now obviously everybody else is jumping on board. You you guys have spoken about it here with your Sacronis and um and like Adidas now as That's well. They're bringing them out. So yeah, yeah ev- everybody, everybody, every brand. You see people. Them, so. We we discussed it just the other week um on the podcast and you saw uh, people at the Gold Coast Marathon that were in. Uh, super shoes and their feet and their running style is not made for them. They're like so pronating. Yeah. 
that 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 I'm sure the shoe is making them run slower than if they had a good pair of Kaonos or something else with an orthotic in. You just look at them going, that must read that you must be in pain the way they're running. I, I just look at some people in in these shoes and just think that that's not that they must just think, oh, I've got to have a super shoe, a Nike super shoe, and you're just thinking, or oh, is that really the the best option for you? Well, it's interesting as well. You, um, I don't know if you guys caught the the um, Commonwealth Games marathon last night. Um, yeah. But there was there was an athlete representing Wales in the in the women's marathon, um, and obviously she's still an incredible runner. But they picked up on it in commentary that she's fairly new. She was just a kind of amateur runner, and obviously still is probably class more amateur. Um, and if you looked at the running style, like and her legs were flopping out to the side as she was running. So she obviously just lacked a little bit of natural biomechanics. And you could tell that the the rest or the, the top the top of the field anyway um had better training in them. So you do look at it from that perspective that training still has a, a big impact as opposed to just the shoes themselves. Um you couldn't just take a new runner and say, right, here, here's a pair of alpha flies, right, you're going to run 20 minutes at part run in four weeks' time. But if you gave somebody a strength and conditioning program and got them working on things, then I, I believe that they're going to see more improvements in the long term than just by giving them a pair of super shoes. Yeah, yeah, cool. For sure. What you didn't mention there too, Paul, is that, and Ooh. I didn't mention it when we, when we like recap the event because I didn't know, but, this year's Gold Coast, you had a toilet stop, didn't you? So you had a K in the middle of that where you would have lost minutes. Yeah, that was that was an interesting one this year. Yeah, um, I th- I think, and it's actually something. Um, I've I've just signed up for the GC fifty this year at the end of this year, so that's going to be my yes. Yeah, that's a weird time of year, isn't venture. it? GC yeah, it's, it's going to be my hot. my first venture into the ultra running scene. So I'm yeah, actually looking at possibly trying to get a nutrition program for that um because i've always struggled with muscle cramps um towards the back end of a marathon and I probably just haven't fueled properly in the lead up or enough in the lead up so this time i kind of took a different approach i'm going to eat a little bit more which again went against me because i needed that toilet break so i probably just put, um, took too much on in those sort of two three days beforehand and the day before um and yeah I, I was I was running along smoothly I was just yeah everything was going really good up until there was about 14 or 15 k's um the stomach started rumbling a bit and I was like no this doesn't feel good so I got to the turnaround point at 16 um and then it's 17 kilometers I saw the so there was a toilet block on the on the side of the road and I should have stopped then and I was like, no, I'll persevere and I'll see if I can, if this, if this, oh. will, this, this will settle. Because it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't the stage where it was just like, I was going to shit myself, like, sort of type yeah. thing. It was just really uncomfortable. Um, and then literally about 500 metres later, I was like, right, I need to stop. Like, ne- next toilet, I'll stop. Oh, next God. toilet didn't come till about 21 Ks. So I was in a lot of discomfort for that next sort of three and a half Ks. Um, Would have made the, the toilet stop quicker though. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah once I, I made that decision i was like right i need to because i i reckon i would have probably dnf'd if i didn't 
make a decision to stop then. So I said, right, yeah, yeah. Let, let's just stop. And the difficulty with that is I was in a little group. Um, there was probably about maybe 10 of us. Um, as soon as I stopped and like, yeah, probably 90 seconds, two minutes back out. And once I come back out, there was like nobody, there was like nobody around. It was just, so I, I kind of readjusted the goal then and just said, right, just settle back into a rhythm. Don't go trying to chase anybody. Just, just run what you can now. Um, the good thing for me is I, I've actually got this habit. I've got into this and created a good habit um, of taking off the, the auto lap on the watch. So mm. I never, even when I'm doing a, an easy run or a, um, an, an interval session, whatever it's going to be, I never, ever look at the time on the watch, what I'm doing. I just look at the average pace. Yep. So, so what, so what I basically like, I'd set it on. I, I wanted to run 345 average for that marathon. Um, and then once I started to, to sort of get back into the rhythm after the, the toilet stop, I think it, the watch settled on about 348, 349. I was like, that's fine. And it, it blew out to sort of 352 towards the end. Again, I just sort of struggled in the, in the back half on my own. Um, but I think just mentally for me, I think if I was saying like, a four minute K come up or a four or five, that would have been like really challenging. Whereas if I still look at the average pace, the average pace is still close, not, not, not far out from where I want to be. Then so that's your total average, your cumulative average is it yes. so far. So if you, if you, it's not like just for that kilometer, it's like for the whole race. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, then yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's even taking into consideration the, the, the stop that I find for the well. toilet. So like, yes, yeah, so obviously that's where the, the average pace has gone down, but that's your, your, your accumulative. So you're not, you don't actually like, and it, it never, it never felt to me that I think when I, when I looked at the splits afterwards, so you just, you still get your splits on Strava. Yeah. So when I, when I looked at the metrics, like afterwards, I was looking at it that afternoon. Um, and I was, I was speaking to a couple of people afterwards and I was like, I don't think my, my, any case sort of kind of went over four minutes, but when I was looking at the, the splits, there was a few over four minutes so again, that was good not knowing that during the run because that would have probably had a bit of a heartbreak. Yeah, it would have been like, oh no, I need to pick up this next K, and it would have I'd have paid for it and thrown you out towards. It's it. amazing. It, it, I think it, some of these things you have to practice with and mentally work them out. Like the last two ultras, are well, okay, not BTM, but I did Noosa. I threw up at halfway, and you watch like you know I like, I like, watch a lot of the YouTube ultras and that and you see people starting to throw up and that's their race sort of falls apart and so i thought oh i've never really had any gut issues and i'll you know like so be good but then i threw up but it didn't affect me too much i think i just put it down to the fruit at the time but then when i threw up at i'd done that well, 77k but i'd actually done 87ks um at the btu i chundered a lot like, that was a good one it was, that was a big, wasn't it? That was a big, that was a power chuck, that was. And it, and it just was, I was like, everything that I had 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 gone you know, into it was that all... tent. <laughs> Steve, Steve said, here he goes. And we were all planning. And but though, it, everything had got pretty well liquefied, so nothing really solid can't. And I was a bit like, oh, wow, where did, I thought I had some solid stuff in me as well, but obviously I didn't. But um and I was like, but it didn't really affect me too much. Like, I think maybe these guys are thinking, oh, shit, he needs to pull out or, you know, he'll, he'll, um, maybe we'll DNF or, you know, he can't carry on. But I was just like, I threw up and I was like, yeah, right, okay, back to it. You know, and I think it can some people, you know, and like needing the toilet 
like I know Spencer, our older brother, he won the Great South Run, and he'd actually had shat himself, but he's, he wasn't going to stop. You know, it, that was um, it, I think it was a ten miler then. Now it's like a half marathon, but he, to win, he just had to keep going. He was being interviewed, and he had to shit come, and he was like, "How she couldn't smell it? I don't know." He had shit running down the inside of his leg, and he went after the interview, went straight to the toilet, and he just binned the the shorts. Yeah. you know and, and put some clean shorts on but um i think that's you know like that it depends Man, that's how it dedication can, yeah. isn't it some good prize money for that eh? <laughs> yeah that that is the definitely dedication yeah, yeah and, and it's still how you how you handle it as well like he used to go for a 20 30k run and he'd been over here and he'd been out for a run and uh, he, he might need a shit so he went around the back of like Woolworths and had a crap and used some leaves <laughs> and just uh got back on running and you think now that's dedication for you to, yeah. to think, do that. And then just keep doing your training run. And it must've been in some bit of discomfort as well, but there's something to learn from that. I think. Hey, um, Paul, you spoke about cramps recently, that marathon you just done the gold coast one, you still cramped later in the stages of that. Yeah, I did. I definitely cramped, um, probably in the last maybe 10 Ks. Yeah. Um, but this was the first marathon that I've ever done where I didn't have to stop for cramps. Yeah, I could feel so the onset of the cramp oh, okay, yeah. um, and was able just to run through it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you're, you're always, you're constantly learning. I'd probably say that, that yeah, the nutrition was probably a little bit better in terms of like maybe my, my, my fluids and my, my liquid, uh, sorry, my fluids and my salt um, intake. Um, like I say, I probably just fueled a little bit too much with sort of maybe carbohydrates in the in the lead up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you cramp. Do you, do you do cramp usually on most marathons? Is that what I you're I've always cramped on a marathon. Yeah. Have I've you? Never. Yeah. And um, you didn't cramp as bad this time. What What I did, what I found I used this time around, and again, I'm I'm never I'm never hundred percent sure whether it's what if it's if it's definitely helping you or if it's placebo but i was using a lot of the cramp fix like little sashes and they're they're horrible they're, like they're just like they're very sour and um yeah it's, it's like a shot of vinegar almost um so it's it's pretty hard to i mean i, I definitely I, I used them in training so i knew what to expect um but i i think i took about had about maybe four or five of them on the run and i used them all before i got to the 32k yeah. mark and they were handing yeah. out there was a couple of girls on course that were handing um, extra yeah. sashes out there. So mm. I took two from the first girl and then about 300 meters later, I took another two and I just, I just kept them. And as soon as I felt that cramp sort of coming on, I would just take a shot of it and then it seemed to settle. So again, I like to think it's, there is obviously some kind of benefit to it, but whether even it, affect even if it, was, your gut? it doesn't affect my gut at all. No, no, uh, okay. they're not, they're not affect my gut at all. But again, like I say, I, I did practice that in training um everything i did on the day i practiced in the lead up um i actually did a um so what do you think you put the the cramping down to do you think it's sodium mag we talk about magnesium because that's my favorite one to talk about Um, or or what or do you think because of the heat or just because it's it's race day and you do push yourself that little bit 10 percent harder than you would do in a say a a tempo training session What, what do you think I, th- I think it's like that, that the last one there you mentioned. I think it's the intensity. Um, but like I said, um, I, I do. I want to try and um, enlist the, the help of a, a nutritionist, somebody who's got a bit of experience um, in. So any, anybody listening out there, it's 
a sports nutritionist that wants to give it any advice, but um, there, there are there are obviously a heap of guys out there that have got a bit of knowledge of how, and, and it's not necessarily like this, this is the, the one size fits all, it's what can actually help me um, because I mean, I did a I did a thirty k training run, like a tempo run, at goal marathon pace about five weeks out, and I used that run to practice nutrition that whole time, and I felt absolutely great by the end of it. Thirty k's, obviously, I didn't know because I stopped at thirty kilometers. I might have only been one kilometer away from a cramp. I don't yeah. know. Um, I, I, I might have been able to run the rest of that day and do forty two kilometers and run a 240 along the, the force for sure at Sandgate. Yeah, you just don't know. Um, but I do believe just that extra little bit of intensity um, plays a major factor. So, but yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to try and get that, that nutrition dialed in over, even over a, like a sort of maybe 10 week period where you're fueling your body correctly. Um, you've got a sort of week to week, program that you're following and then a sort of race week and a race day plan that's going to work and be specific to you um, and it's no different to following a, a training program for your running where at the end of that you're you're going to reflect back and say this went well this is where I need to improve and you're constantly tweaking it so yeah that's what yeah. I kind of want to go for that for a baseline with with your coaching group Runco like you started that um company with Andy Day. Like you've got you've got the lead one of the leading female um ultra runners at the moment. You've got park runners, you've you've got sort of like a real range of, of like different kind of athletes. Where's the future of that heading, you think? You think it'll just keep growing or have you got a direction you want to take it or anything like that? Yeah, um, so like I say, like we've mentioned it earlier, we we started Run Cobach in 2020, um, just as the pandemic was. I mean, literally, I think we went into to lockdown, um, and we were getting ready to to press the big red button to go live. Um, and eventually, we just decided, right, we're gonna we're gonna do it, um, and we're just gonna go out there as a an online only for the first however long um, until we sort of got through those initial few months of the pandemic um and then when i think it was probably about july august time we got our first client on board and i've just grown from from there yeah so we've got a a good a good range and it's actually good from a coaching perspective um because we're not just driven towards like everybody's going going to go and do a 5k or everybody's going to do a marathon we've got a really good um wide range of runners from guys like you said steve who are out there doing the, the backyard ultra. Um, Nicole Dukes, who you were referring to there, um, and we've got Jason Richard, um, running. So they're doing the Clint Eastwood backyard ultra, which is in two weeks' yeah. time, same weekend yeah. as Sunny Coast. Um, so yeah, from from that coaching perspective, it's it's always good to sort of challenge challenge myself to to be able to program for different different levels of ability, but different um different goals so in terms of like the growth um we kind of we, we don't we, we, we look at the, the business it's not exclusive to like i know you've you've got groups out there like the Bert squad who have got a great model and they want to attract the best and the quickest runners going around about business uh, going, going around about brisbane we 
we want to make it inclusive for, for, for anybody. So if it's somebody who just wants to do the first 5k run or somebody who wants to go and run 200 miles, then yeah, we, we're that, we're that one-stop shop for you there. We've, we've got experience from doing, I mean, obviously Andy himself, he's, he's got experience in running these ultras. Um, and obviously we've got um, experience in able to coach this sort of wide range of a group as well. So yeah, we're looking to, to expand and, and hopefully pop up in different areas of Brisbane as well. So yeah. It's, you have a website? Is it a really website popular? Right? It's really popular. Yeah, we've got the we've got the website which is um um www.runco.com.au. Um we're on the socials as well. So you find us at Runco on Instagram and on on um Facebook. So yeah we, we actually um for again anybody listening we, we like to offer that sort of trial so if um if anybody wants to come along and, and trial um for that first week we we run a, a session on a monday morning at bunnings brendale and um, we run a, an interval session on a wednesday at south pine um sports complex in eaton's hill and then we do a strength-based session at warner lakes park run on a on a thursday morning so all sessions are at 5 a.m so again we our, our main philosophy I and mean, there's heaps of running groups out there the way the, our, our point of difference, our selling point is strength and technique. So we, like I say, we, we mentioned we've got the interval session on a Wednesday, which is kind of just what any running club would do. Um, we obviously program specific for our athletes. Um, but the Monday morning is a, a drills and technique session. So a lot of just moving your body in the, in the right way. And just uh, we, we enjoy that Monday morning session because a lot of the time people have either had a hard run on the weekend or a long run on the weekend. So it's just a really good way of getting your body moving um, and getting it ready, like nice and loose. A lot of the guys actually say on that Monday morning how they set, they feel certain muscle groups or that's, that's a bit tight or that's a bit sore. So it gives them that indication that maybe they need to do a little bit stretching or they need to go for a massage or they might even need to go and see a physio because something's just not quite right. So it's, it's a good, good session to set, sort of set you up for the week and identify any issues and, and improve on things so yeah pretty cool so paul um have you looked into uh magnesium and maybe your magnesium levels to help with the cramping uh for like longer distances training and and the marathon yeah certainly something i've i've sort of dabbled with um i think probably i was more sort of big into it i think maybe 2019 when i ran queenstown i'd run i ran I ran um, Gold Coast Marathon that year, um, and I did two forty nine. I think two hours forty nine. Yeah, and the goal was to go sub two forty eight, which is four minute k's. Um, and I did. I cramped a bit in there. Um, I often, I've often thought about like the how you sort of go about your training program as well. So I actually did a, a noose, I did the Noosa half that year, um, which was only about six weeks before Gold Coast. Um, I did one fourteen. I think it was one fourteen that year. Yeah, um, and then so so it's it one of those like sort of you you're looking to see was it maybe too much in the lead up to the marathon like training wise or was it nutrition based? So like I say, when I signed up to Queenstown, I decided to sort of focus a little bit more about like I, I looked into the sort of salt levels and magnesium levels and what I needed to do to sort of like maybe keep on top of the the cramps a little bit more. Um, I started using salt sticks, um, just little. Um, I don't know if you, you use them, Nathan. Or no, I've little, never used them. Um, um, 
so- I've actually found that um, too much sodium makes me pee a lot. And uh, yeah. who do we have on um, no. two weeks ago? Noel, he found the same thing as well. And I, I tried an infinite nutrition drink and there's sodium in it. I, I started taking it all of a sudden, like that lap on a 24-hour mountain bike race, I, I was peeing every lap bang bang and i was put it down to the sodium too high then so we dropped it a little bit and it's still too much and i found that for me it's uh the the key for me is the magnesium not the sodium yeah right okay Uh, so i've never done salt tablets i've never done like salt sticks yeah Uh, i've always gone for a little bit lower sodium and more magnesium or take magnesium tablets but i think it's all individual maybe being type 1 diabetic has an effect as well, you know, like this could be a number of things. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I did, I did sort of dabble with the magnesium I use a magnesium powder. Um, yep. And I used to just like chuck that in a bottle of water um, and do that most of the time after, yep. a, after a run, whether, whether it was an easy run or whether it was a, an interval run, long run. Um, I just used that again. <laughs> it's one of those ones I've sort of just played around about with. Um, Again, I'll come back to the whole sort of like getting a nutrition plan. I think that's kind of where I need to go. I I, I believe for me, that's going to be one of the sort of the, the final pieces of the jigsaw in terms of being able to pr- improve over, especially over the marathon distance. I feel I feel like I could I'm definitely got capabilities to go quicker, um, but it's nutrition is going to be a huge factor in, in, into that. I think you could there's only so much of the training program you can do before you need to look into like, yeah, I'm getting these cramps regularly. It's not just the case of like, I'm just, a, I'm, the, I'm the type of person that gets cramps. There has to be a solution that to it that's, that's got it. And I, and I believe that um, not enough emphasis is probably put on nutrition. I don't think un, enough people talk about yeah. um, nutrition. Cause I, I think as well, when you, when you watch, when you watch the marathons, like even like the com games last night, like you don't often see what these elite athletes are taking on during the run. Like you might often just see like maybe a bottle here and they'll take a, a quick drink, but you don't know what's in the you, bottle. You're not really it. privy to to what's going on and what they're actually yeah. taking. So yeah, yeah, you don't know what's in their bottle. What they've exactly. had previously, what they've had, had infusions, you know, vitamin injections, stuff. You know, it's like whatever's legal. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. And and you're watching them, and they, they barely miss a stride. Like they just, I mean, I think um, Sinead. They're only running for two hours, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even just watching the women's last night, I think it was Sinead and Eloise. I think they both looked like they cramped a bit. Whereas you you look at Jess winning that, like she just never looked like she she missed a stride that whole run. So she obviously just yeah. got everything down part and everything went went perfect for her so um yeah I, I definitely think that you need to need to look at the whole equation and your, your training and your nutrition so yeah but yeah salt salts and magnesium is definitely something i've dabbled with but probably need a little bit more structure and somebody that knows a little bit more about yeah what's i found that i just so. well i take a magnesium tablet before bed because it really i get i get like fidgety legs watching yeah. tv and it does help help me uh, definitely sleep. And I dream really quite vivid dreams. If I have two magnesium tablets, even more vivid. And that maybe because I just That's sleep. You get maybe twelve hours sleep a night, mate. You're allowed to dream when you get that much sleep. Hitting me, hitting me eight hours sleep a night. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then I do coming up to a race. I'll take um, magnesium morning and evening. 
so as well as say a multivitamin i'll do a magnesium tablet in the morning sometimes i might take two but you've got to get the magnesium right because magnesium is very common for causing um diarrhea or yes. getting rid of constipation so you've got to find the right the right one don't yeah. get cheap i had cheap versions where i even just one um was was giving me loose bowels so um yeah you've got to find a good quality one um and yeah they're, they're, you know you've got like citrate and um and all that different different sorts of magnesium which can affect you differently as well and obviously the cost involved so people go oh, i'll go for the cheapest one and it's that one that can come unstuck with so yeah it's a That's big it. discussion point anyway i think um as well as um like for, for me certainly i've suffered cramps um during a marathon but it's never anything that i struggle with during like training um and i think back to like my debut gold coast marathon in 2016 and but then I basically did every long run at goal marathon pace. Like my, my aim was to run. I didn't really know anybody um in the running community. So I just kind of just stuck to my my own sort of training and my own like vision, if you like, that I wanted to run sub three. That was like sub three was just like I had no idea what running was, but sub three seemed to be this big ambitious goal that yeah, like was within the realms of possibility so i was like yeah let's let's go for this and i think about three weeks before the gold coast marathon that year i did 36 kilometers at, at bang on pace and uh, i felt great and Shit, suddenly yeah solo I, I, like i say i did that i did that route like religiously i, I drove to pelican park and i ran to scarborough or, or obviously different distances but away up past scarborough was like the longest run and i did 36 k's and I used to run with this little running belt um, and I had two little 250 mil bottles on it. And I can't even remember what I was using. I think it was some form of electrolyte and one and water and the other and a couple of gels. Like I was just, whatever was available at the chemist, you would just pick up some probably Endura gels or something. I had no idea. Just that, yeah, a couple of gels, they'll be fine. Um, and then suddenly at the, I think it was about 30 K mark in the Gold Coast Marathon that year, cramps set in. And that was like the only other time I'd experienced cramps like that was probably playing football. Like, and you, okay. you're playing like extra time in football. And, you're, and on, on the odd occasion, we got a hot summer's day in Scotland. We, um, like, yeah, you'd start to feel those cramps sort of setting in again. Probably your, your salt levels are down. Um, but yeah, I was, I was lying on the side of the road at 40 kilometer mark. Um, and I ended up doing the final two Ks. I was, I was on course to run sub three. Um, but I ended up doing the final two Ks in 12 minutes, which oh. ended up running 3.02 because, and again, like running time, I think I did those Ks in nine minutes, but I spent about three minutes just lying on the side of the road because I just, I couldn't, um, I couldn't move. The cramps were just so excruciating, but yeah. yeah. So definitely something to be learned. Paul, you, uh, you've done a few talks and you, you know, like you, uh, and that for groups and stuff it, for our listeners running. Cause we're like, you know, we're, average runners we're not um elite um what what would be your sort of number one or might be two what would be your number one thing to to say to the average runner out there what advice would you be able to give them that you think would improve their their um you know performance or whether it's just for park run or whether they're aiming to a marathon or even a half marathon i, I would say the, the number one thing is consistency um it's finding 
whether whether that means that you are have got that desire to go out and do it on your own or whether you find a group or a certain individual. Um, I, I do actually find that if you can find at least one other person that can keep you accountable um, and can keep you consistent at doing it, then that's, that's, that's where your, your, um, that's, that's where your improvement's going to come from because you can't be expected to, to go out and, and improve on your part run. If you're only just turning up at part run every week or if you're like, very sporadic with your training um and i think probably like i'd, I'd put that at number two I, I, the number one thing has to be enjoyment like if you if you don't enjoy doing those runs if you don't enjoy whatever it is i mean obviously being a, being a, a fitness professional it's it's more about like what there's, there's so many different th- aspects of, of, of fitness. Like you need to find what it is that you will continue to do day in, day out, week in, week out, and build it, build it from there. So if you don't enjoy running, don't do it. <laughs> find something else that you're going to enjoy. Because if you like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this part run because my mate's doing it. Um, and then they're getting improvements and then you're not, and you're like, oh, I don't really enjoy doing this. So I'd rather just have a sleep in then it's not for you. Yeah. You need to go and like, like I say, you might prefer going swimming. You might prefer jumping on the bike. You might prefer going to lift weights. You might prefer doing a team sport, like find what it is. And, and you need to have that desire that when your alarm clock is going to go off at five o'clock on a Sunday morning, that you're going to go out and do that. And obviously coming back to that accountability, if you've got somebody else, if you said, if I said to Steve, right, I'm going to meet you. Or, or all us boys out, we're going to meet out at Sandgate five o'clock. You're more likely to go and do that mm-hmm. because you're accountable to somebody else. Whereas if it's like, oh, I'm just going to go and do this run myself, ah, nah, I'll just leave it to later in the day. And then it gets later in the day, you get waylaid, you end up doing something else, and then you don't do that run. So yeah. that's something that obviously a once off is fine, but you need to build that consistency. So yeah, enjoyment and consistency, that's what I would say. I saw something really good on uh, actually the the female winner of the Commonwealth Games Marathon. It was on her Instagram. She said, there's nothing. She said, running really rewards years and years of layering of training. And I thought, yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Like the more you can just keep layering the training on top of it, uh, one year on top of another year, as long as you're not getting injured, doing anything silly. Just the rewards are there, aren't they? And that's it. Like what you're saying there, like we spoke about, like looking at somebody like Jess, like you're talking about Jess Trengrove there, um, where we we don't see what they're them like getting nutrition-wise on the marathon course, but we also don't see what they're doing day in, day out. We, I mean, obviously they're, they're professionals as well, so it's a little bit easier if they've got like, like they, they don't have to go and do like work a full-time job or, or whatever. Um, but what have they been doing for the last 10 years, for the last five years? They've been building that consistency, yeah. but suddenly we just turn on the TV and, oh, wow, she's won a marathon. It's like, it's not, you, you, you need to understand that she's put so much time and effort into achieving what she's achieved. So, yeah. Yep. Years and years and years of yeah. training. And Oh, you got to go. Yeah, mate. <laughs> All right. That she's worked yeah. calls. Yeah, nice yeah. talking to you, Paul. I'll catch you somewhere out there in the running world for sure. Yeah, cheers, Steve. Yeah. What's yeah. what's next for you? Uh, nothing at this stage. Nothing. Actually, yeah. I was going to see how I pulled up from the for the sunny coast half to run with wax. Ah, yeah. Um, 
he's had a pretty good week ahead of he's two weeks out and he did 52 k's this week i was supposed to run with him this morning but i had a bit of a shit night with the family and stuff so yeah, yeah. I um, messaged him this morning. He's still committed and did a 20K run by himself. So that's what you were just talking about then. We were yeah, good on him. Yeah. yeah run nice. together. But yeah, he still did it after I said I couldn't make it. But um, yeah, I haven't really got anything else. I was going to see if I could get recovered for the sunny coast, but I didn't want to sort of push it and get an injury. So having to listen to you guys and Stan Fetting and Peter Lewis and everyone, it's probably best yeah. just uh, to leave two weeks after doing 53Ks. Um and just enjoy yeah. my running in the short term and slowly build again for something next year. Definitely the Noosa Marathon with uh, Ultra with yep. Nathan next year. Yeah. March 20, end of, end of March. But there's yep. a few There's a few coming up. There's a few like sort of 23K trail runs yeah, races yeah, coming up. Yeah. I think we what might do. Yeah. And then, um, Paul, we're trying to get people out to um it's called the red run yeah um, i had to remembrance remember it's sunday so um, i had that on the podcast last week yeah so we'll, what, what day is that again it's a sunday the 6th of uh, uh, november yeah yeah, yeah cool. so remember it's sunday we're trying to get as many people there so yeah cool yeah. we'll be trying there'll to get be definitely a, a few more events there'll be definitely a few more events between here and noosa ultra next year but nothing as long as that, I'll, I'll probably stick to a few half marathons. We've got Mount Glorious in November. I think the weekend after is Mount yep. Glorious uh, 23K. Even uh, something like um, the SEQ Trail Series, that would be a good one for you. Uh, I tried to shot. join that, but by the time yeah. I decided I was going to do it, the whole lot had been sold out. And that was yeah, about eight it's, weeks it's very, very yeah. popular. I think you eight weeks from the get, start. <laughs> get in, so. I think if you, you jump on... I think there's a couple of Facebook pages. You you tend to get people who'll sell, who'll be Selling. selling like like mm-hmm. an entry just for for a certain event. So that's how yeah. I got mine for B, yeah. like half price. I got it for two fifty for BTU. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'll just keep training and I'm enjoying my running at the moment. Nice um, one, mate. Um, just keep plugging away. I think. And see where I go. You don't reckon you'll jump in and pace, Brad? Uh, when's that? Next week? No, two no, weeks. Two, two, two weeks. weeks. Two, two weeks, weeks is. Uh, at Sunny Coast, yeah, maybe Daniel Hara's going with him, so I think Daniel said he's gonna run with him, so oh, um, cool. yeah, he's gonna try and get him a PB. I think Daniel's run a few minutes faster. Um, but I'll, yeah, be in the, I'll be in the Alps, I won't be there. I still, I still think if I jumped in and did it, I'd love it, but uh, I just don't want to do it and regret getting an injury from maybe going right. back too soon, so um yeah i don't know i, I think uh, after this i might be able to not so not worry too much about hurting myself for an ultra and i'll be able to plug out some pretty quick park runs so yeah hopefully sure. getting closer to the pointy end of 19 minutes will be good yeah good stuff yeah yeah oh yeah i must mention that too next weekend we're going to try and pace brad to sub 20 at yeah. Ooh, okay yeah anyone's keen to come down and have a bash well i haven't yeah. done sub 20 but i don't know if i'll be back uh, ready for um going that hard yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be in for that. We'll see you then. Yeah, awesome. All right, mate. Have a All good right. week. We'll I'll see you soon. Cool. Thanks, mate. Anything else you want to talk about? Oh, we could talk forever. I've got so no, many, not, so much stuff that uh we might might bore the listeners with with uh, with stuff. But um I look I I um I, um, I suppose um when you look at uh let's talk about say ultras fifty k fifty k if uh, how many kilometers a week should do you think consistently someone should be doing and this might be a bit of an ambiguous question but how many no, this is a good question i reckon how this many kilometers should you realistically be doing um a week 
and how long should your biggest run be? Obviously, look, you build it, you build a bit. But if you were going to do a, say, like six months time, you want to do a 50K run and you were consistently doing, you know, 30 to 50K a week, what would be that sort of stepping stone or what would be your plan? Not to give too much away um, from, from the coaching, but what would, what would people listening all over the world, um, what would be the sort of advice you'd give them? Yeah, again, so there's, there's um, I hate to sort of deflect a little bit, but there's there's so many different things you need to consider before, um, before saying like this is exactly what you need to do, yeah. um, and it, again, it all it all depends on the individual and what the goal is, um, but I mean, I, I can't I, I couldn't even off the top of my head think like oh, this is the baseline you need to be doing, um, I think you would definitely need to give enough time. Um, but it, because, because we're all just recreational runners, it's a lot of the time maybe somebody will struggle to to do like X amount of kilometres a week or they might even struggle to sort of get up and, and run during the week due to family commitments and all they can do is a long run on the Sunday morning or a long run on the Saturday morning. So um, in that respect, I, I, I tend to look at more like time on legs rather than kilometers so I, I tend to try and just if you can try and find maybe a base of about 30 to 45 minutes just sort of getting out there and building consistency that's a good place to start um and whether so if if your goal ultimately is to run a 50k in six months time then yes ideally you'd want to be looking to sort of start on that baseline like let's get out and let's do 30 minutes a day for the first month and then if you can then start to sort of build that consistency into your program then we look at right can we increase that 30 minutes to 40 minutes can we then go to 50 minutes can we in, can we go start on a baseline of a, a long run at 60 minutes and can we eventually get yourself up to three hours um, and again it's it's looking at the different factors of where you're going to do is it a trail race is it a road race what is so obviously becoming familiar with the surroundings that you're going to run in so like if, if i had somebody sign up for doing a guzzler i'm not going to just send them out to sangate and run along the flat on the concrete obviously they need to become accustomed to that different like using different muscle groups again coming up and down those trails like the big big inclines and get them familiar to what they're they're going to be doing on on race day um, and you might get somebody who's going to run a 50k um, and do it in six hours. And then you might get somebody else who's going to be out there for 10 hours. So ultimately, you're not going to, just because that person is going to run 10 hours, you're not going to get them doing a training run for six hours. You're probably still going to cap that at a certain time. So you're a lot of time, maybe your long run might be capped at three hours um, and whatever you can cover within that time. So then you still leave that that little bit extra for what you're going to experience on race day so so yeah, yeah it's 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 a hard one to say this is exactly what you need to be doing because it and i think that's what we definitely time on legs look at time it's on time, legs it's, is it is, yeah it's, it's time on legs and yeah. if you can build up that time and just gradually um be consistent with it um but again we i'd, I'd more look at it from a coaching perspective i like to be specific 
So like what's going to work for you, Nathan, might be different to what's going to work for Steve, might be different what's going to work for, for Wax, like depending on obviously yeah. what you've done previously and what you aim to do. So, yeah. Mm. It'd definitely be different with Steve because he can't get his eight hours and he's got kids. Can't get his oh, eight yeah. hours of sleep, he's got kids. So it's going to be but eight hours sleep doesn't happen around there. <laughs> and he's outside, you know, like uh, manual, manual work, yeah. um, all day as well so um Mate, my biggest problem is the kids just get every bug that's going around school and bring it home and it doesn't matter what i do to avoid it i end up getting it so it's just like i'm gonna try now just not to avoid it as soon as i come home sick i'm just gonna be like cuddling Mate, yeah you need to glenn 20 face. you need to you need like the foot and mouth thing as they come in the door like like yeah, yeah. The you need to spray and a bleach foot thing and a, yeah, yeah. Bleach, yeah. Yeah. get get yeah. on top of them can't avoid it unfortunately but this is the thing so isn't it like we plan we plan for all this stuff and then life actually happens you know um the stresses of life um and i've been to mountain bike races and people in front of me have crashed their car with the mountain bike on the back and you go there's just so many different things can can happen in life just yeah. can, can uh, make a difference to um to it you know you get training right but something else might go wrong on the day like yourself you needed the loo and you'd never needed that before in a in a marathon and it can um i saw people running like people coming off and i heard one guy saw pee up a tree at the at the marathon and another guy ran and obviously had seen the block but the block was like a hundred probably 80 meters from the actual road that he'd run to because i was coming out of it as he ran to go into the to for the loo so you know you think jesus like um whether there was a lack of portaloos along the um, along the route, I don't know. Yeah, I think there was actually, but again, it's probably something I've never like I've never needed to do, so I wasn't really sure whether that's just normal or like because I, I, I think I, when I said I want I wanted to stop at seventeen k, I think it was a couple of portaloos there, but then mm. it was nothing, and then eventually when I did stop, it was a little coffee. Um, that's when I used to stop. Oh, so yeah, shit. not even. A yeah, there's something you got to think about because like, it's, I, I do trail races, so I can stop wherever I want. You know, just I just pee up a tree. I don't because I got used to it with cycling. You know, I just like even a big group, we pull over, pee break, and I mean, you wouldn't care where who you were peeing in front of. You know, and um, I think you just get sort of used to doing that. So in a trail race, you just like you can just pee up a tree, or if you do need, you know, to really go number two you could just find a bit of a bush but you can't do that in a in a road marathon you know it's uh, you need an actual proper toilet yeah exactly yeah on that yeah. note <laughs> we should wrap it up we've been going a couple well, of let hours. me ask you paul what what not to uh what shoes do you training and then what you're racing so um my my go-to training shoe is still the pegasus i, I, I run a lot of pegasus 36s um i'm running Usually, usually as Nikes. Um, I've had a couple of pairs recently, Asics, Asics yep. Gel Nimbus. Um, but again, I'll maybe running a pair of the Invincibles or the Infinities as well. So yeah, yep. predominantly, predominantly Nike. Um, but I think I probably need to mix it up a little bit. I've been Nike for four years, so I probably need to change it up a little bit. And yeah look at something do, different do you do much trail running or are you mostly all road um i've never i've never done a trail race but i've 
Um, and to be honest, because I've been struggling with a, an Achilles injury for the last 18 months, yeah, I kind of the Achilles just came good around about March this year, which was when I right, got right into the, the marathon training. So, um, I used to love the trails, um, yeah. and it's probably my probably my favorite um type of training run is just going out in the trails. Mm. Um, the most I've ventured trails wise recently is just at Bollockies, but the Bollockies rest, um, yeah, yeah. But, there's a there's actually a good um I don't know if you you've been up to Lacey's Creek at the Barky. Um I've been out there to, to move horses, but I've never yeah. uh run out there, no. Yeah, no, there's a there's a really good um I think it's about 22 Ks. Um you can do a big loop there and it's 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 quite wide trail. Um okay. first the first part, I mean the it's about 12 Ks to the top. So there's a yep. good bit of climbing for in that initial part, and then there's a lot of downhill. That's just like forest. Uh, yeah, like, pretty much. Yeah, yeah like pretty much. And then, but when you come back down to the bottom, um, you run along a. I can't remember if it's if it is a tarmac road that you finish on. It might be a might be a bit of a road that you finish on. But, okay. but it's but it's trails for probably. Might like, have a look. Yeah, ninety yeah. percent of it or something. Yeah, but. just looking it up. It's out the back of Dabra. Yeah, out the back of Dabra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, yeah. you go as you get to David suck a right and go up out through Lacey's Creek. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a nice little drive out there. Actually, I looked at some land buying some land out there many years ago. Um, but then when you know you got no phone signal whatsoever and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just too difficult. <laughs> just life just off, gets yeah. too difficult, you know. Yeah. Like when uh, you get home and you can't even get a text message. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, definitely, definitely trails for training. Um, and I'm actually probably looking forward to getting back in there. Um, probably. It's funny because that we do we do have a lot of uh, like Australia has a lot of like bushland and that, but. In England, you could always find a wood to go and run around, or you could find a fair bit of um, like we lived at the um, by the Pilgrim's Way and the the um, the North Downs. So yeah, you could, yeah. I could go mountain biking for like hours, and you never. And then you were allowed to go through, as you know, like through farmers' land, and you know, got hikers, and there was lots of, you know, you could just walk, you could go for a run along the hiking trails and everything else. But it just seems a lot of it is. Um, it, it seems a lot quite shut off or it's quite difficult to access because you don't know if you're on private land or if you're on like national forest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually, so, I mean, I, I was never, I was never a, a runner growing up in Scotland. So um, we're actually going back in six weeks time. So I'm looking forward to going out and exploring yeah. a few different well, last time just getting off road. And last time I was there, I went, we were, I went to Edinburgh because my older brother lives in Edinburgh now. And, um, uh, he got married at Abbotsford and I went to like a week early to do photography and I went off, I went, I found some big, uh, well, it wasn't like a lock, but it was virtually the same. And I went for a walk round up through the hills and, you know, like, you know, the old, the old really good authentic uh, uh, dry stone walls and sheep out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. I thought, God, this would have been great to, now I look back on it and I go, that would have been great to run, run around there and spend the afternoon yeah. um, you know like out that way it was um it's good so yeah yeah and all the big locks and everything to run around you know like um would be um some good scenery well that's it uh, um because i think probably like my yeah, i mentioned earlier that um around the queenstown marathon back in 2019 i don't know if you've been out to to new zealand or um but, no. but the um yeah I, i'd always i'd always heard that there was a lot of similarities between like the sort of the, the scottish or the british sort of 
landscape in New Zealand. And mm. yeah, I mean, that's probably been my, my favourite destination for running was, was Queenstown. It was, like you say, it was similar. Like, it was a lot of lakes out there you can run around and just a lot of off-road yeah. trails. And yeah, just really, really nice, nice for running. So I should give a shout out to uh, my, my, uh, like my second cousins, um, Jack and Craig Barden. Um, they, um, they did the three highest peaks in the UK. So they went and did like one, the one in England, Ben, Ben Nevis, and then um, what's Scotland's the, highest peak? Yeah, but Ben Nevis is Scotland. Nevis, and then is it, and is what, it Wales? Snowden, Wales. Mount Snowden? Is, is that the tallest? Snowden, one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They went yeah. and did all three, and you got to try and do it in like so many, so many hours within twenty four hours or something. Yeah, so right. Yeah. My 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 cousin is the is my cousin's kid. So uh, my cousin uh, Lee um, took him. Uh, drove them all, uh, trying to stay awake. Well, I think he slept while they were running up and down them, and then he <laughs> wake up and drive again. Awesome, they, yeah. they had some pretty bad uh, weather, I think. Yeah, well. it can, it it can change really quickly, can't it? So yeah, but that's a bit of a bit of a challenge. Hey? Yeah, so, some some, and then our friend John John Rose, he'll probably be, he's probably listening. He he's tried a few FKTs um, in in uh, England as well, so. There's quite a quite a big trail running community in um, in the UK, and that so um, and the fell running and that and that's huge. Yeah, fell running. Actually, I see your dad just did. Steve did uh, Maidstone Park Run, which actually starts down near the Malta pub, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, Maybe. I've never, I haven't done that one. I haven't been nah. over there since. It runs running. down. It ran down the the footpath along the side of the River Medway, which is where the when we used to live at Castledean before I moved to Australia, the back garden back down to the river where I used to fish out the back off. So I just saw your dad had run, run along there um, yesterday. Yeah. Done that for um, for awesome. park run. So yeah, good to see. Hot weather over there at the moment. Oh, it's been mm. crazy. Yeah. 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 Oh well, thanks for coming on, Paul. Been awesome. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. It's good. Yeah. It's good and get you back on. Yeah. To- talk some more running talk soon yeah no it's, it's a good podcast you've got on guys um it's good always good to listen so good to be on so yeah oh you'll be good to hear yourself on this one <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget everyone uh, listening that we do have a uh, instagram page so you can uh, follow us on there and if you want to send us a message please do um and if you've got any um any questions or anything you'd like to hear um on our weekly podcast um, or things, topics to discuss, then please uh, send us a message on there and we can, yeah. we can uh, add it to the show. And if we don't respond straight away, it's because we've all got access. So someone might see it and just not reply. <laughs> and then someone checks it and goes, Oh shit, we've got to reply to that guy. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Easy oh, done. Thanks for listening team. We'll catch thanks you for soon. coming on Paul. Thanks yeah. everyone. Cheers guys. Cheers. See you soon.